welcome to the GCW Plants Podcast, episode 53. How are you doing tonight, John? I'm doing really fantastic. I'm feeling good. We've had uh, four recordings in the last week, roughly, right? Uh, yeah, I think... Or last 10 days. I must say, I think five in the last 10 days, actually, now. Now that I think about Ooh, it. Yeah, on are. average of three to four hours an episode, that's... Uh, a lot of work we are definitely grinding it out and catching up uh yeah oh sorry you're you right. this is number four <laughs> doing is good it? yeah doing yeah, good man. busy you know hey work. no lie sometimes it, like you're stressed i'm stressed it's you know that's that's how it is sometimes so luckily it's the weekend hoping for the best the good news is on weekends we have one thing on our side dude we have nights where we can sit down and enjoy watch wrestling play games like that's that's who we are that's what we do so you know you'll probably have a decent night ahead of you and hopefully uh, hopefully <laughs> yes yeah, so fingers crossed luckily i got the collective to look forward to that's what i've been kind of oh, telling yeah. myself is just get through the whatever the time is till you get to the collective and it'll all be worth it so tonight we are covering GCW's I for an I from the Melrose Ballroom in New York City. And it was a very uh, talk-worthy uh, episode, <laughs> show from yeah. GCW this night. Uh, a lot of stuff happened uh, that had a lot of people talking online. And we will be covering most of those, if not all of them, here on uh, this episode. Yeah, there was a whole hell of a lot going on in this uh, in this show. So I'm kind of looking forward to going over this one bit by bit and really you know, just seeing what you have to say about it. Because, again, we haven't talked about this episode yet until, you know, we sit yeah. down and record it. So really looking forward to that. Um, you know what? I've never thought about putting this in the beginning. But for everybody who tunes in, because we do have a, a good group of people who tune in. Thank you. Yes. There we go. Just, <laughs> I, I, we always put it at the end for like the hardcore True. But everybody who tunes in, thank you so much. Um, it feels like sharing. So, you know, enjoy yourself if you can. We're going to put a couple more hours down of uh, bullshit. <laughs> but uh, we'll be talking about important people, but uh, we're just going to try to have fun. So, yeah, the Melrose, Ball, uh, the Melrose Ballroom, beautiful place. Yeah, I like when they go uh, there. I know what to expect. It's obviously not going to be any... Uh death matches or too much fuckery going on whenever they're in New York, but I do like these shows from the Melrose Ballroom. Just the one spot that always sticks out to me is uh, Homicide and Minoru Suzuki, and that was like the loudest I've ever heard people sing uh, Kaze Ninare for Suzuki in that small venue, but they absolutely stepped up and delivered his uh, his entrance and gave him the respect that he has absolutely earned over the last... Uh, his whole career, to be honest, but every time I think of Meryl's Bottom, I always just think of that entrance because it was pretty cool. Even Homicide had the cool sirens, and being from New York, he got a big pop. And with the light stroke, like the lights even like matched with Suzuki's music and Homicide's, which I really enjoyed because that's not something we see in a lot of. And I just think about this show, like any of the entrances, none of these lights like kind of go on with what's going on with the song and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. thinking back about it now, that they did kind of something special for Homicide and Suzuki that night. And I guess maybe that's why I stuck out of my head because we haven't seen that done for any other competitor in gcw so what i really noticed here that i liked was the big long live gcw sign in bright letters it was like on a lit screen you could see in the background occasionally really good looking stuff and also i just i've never said it and i wanted to get it out because this is just something kind of 
But personal preference, I'm not a fan of that camera angle in the ring. I love that I'm in the ring, but I feel like I'm a little too high, like I'm perched up too high and I'm kind of away from the action. But otherwise, I just wanted to mention it and kind of get it out of the way. It's probably one of the few times, if not the only time I'll ever mention it during broadcasting. But yeah, so um, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, you know, I still did watch this show just because of the <laughs> just because of that one little thing, it, you know, you mean but you didn't I have a new saying after that camera. No, angle, you just, I know, just right? it off. How dare you? Yeah, I was like, fuck this. I'm Hypocrite. not reviewing this one. You yeah, get a hold of you show. and be like, hey. Yeah, fuck this shit. I'm done. No, um, what I'm really saying here is I kind of have a new saying. It's that GCW just doesn't do this for me. Like they do this for everyone and not everything's going to be for me. So I'll be honest with you. I feel happy that I'm good with 99.8% of everything we see in a three, four hour span. Yeah, I've kind of adopted that uh, mentality too lately, especially when because we talk about a lot of stuff on the podcast as well. And I know we Mm -hmm. got a... We do want to be honest while also not stepping, like, just totally just being negative for no reason towards any competitor or the company itself or anything else. It's just, as you said, it's whatever that we're saying that we don't like or agree with. It's our own opinion. And as you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We are, we are one, we are a couple small plants in a big ass garden that GCW has. And uh, not every plant's going to get watered at every single show. So. That's how I always kind of been looking at it lately since we started this podcast, because I've said that I've noticed the same thing where like, we're going to be honest, but not everything you said, it's just our opinion. It doesn't necessarily reflect the internet wrestling community as a whole or the GCW community as a whole as well. No, it's just, um, I try to make sure that I talk about what I see. So, you know, it's more like, if you don't want me to talk about it, don't show me. And it, but at the same time, to be fair, I, I, I have to say it before I forget, um, to be fair, accidents happen. And half the time, unless it's major, I don't mention it. I mean, I really, you know, I know um, unless it's something that really matters, we try not to mention it. Just, you know what I mean? If someone misses a rope and kind of slips a little bit, that's not newsworthy. Yeah, that's, that's that's just somebody climbing up a fucking rope. Everybody can slip here and there. So that's not worth mentioning. But, you know, um, we'll talk about something later. But it's one thing to have an accident that we don't really talk about, but a series of accidents is called a problem. So that's one of the few times I will talk about somebody who's maybe doing something that they don't mean to do is number one, don't show it to me. And number two, you know, that's just anyway, I won't go too far into it, but I just wanted to piggyback on what you were saying because I'm going to, I was basically going to say this later anyway. So I figured since you brought it up, it was a good time to do it now. Yeah, like I'm the same way too. Like I've I've said that with Vikingo. Like I don't care if he botches one of his ten incredible moves because I still get to see nine times nine moves that can't be done by anyone else, and I will take one botch. Because as you said, especially with I just can kind of go back to him because he's doing some incredibly difficult shit where there's a reason why people haven't done it yet because it's like very hard to do and very uh, risk taking where you might not hit it. even 90% of the time, you might only be a successful 70, 70%. And that, uh, the times that you, they do hit it, I, if physical accidents are going to happen. It's just like in sports, yep. like you're going to miss throw the ball. You're going to, the ball's going to bounce on you. You didn't block it completely. Like physical stuff hap- is going to happen. As you said, when it happens once or twice, it's just a thing. It's just, it's wrestling. It's accidents not, happen. Exactly. But as you said, when kind of the same accidents keep on happening, then, 
that's what it's a problem. Say, yeah, stuff needs to be uh, worked on or figured out. But I mean, back to the place here. The place looked packed. The show was sold out. The venue's beautiful. The lighting choice that they had for the night the night was really nice. And um, they did have a great lighting choice because the place already had everything in there. So they had a chance to look at it, go, what color? Da, da, da. I do that all the time with the flag right behind me. So, But overall, I'd say when it comes to the choice with the way they had it all laid out, uh, very well done. Yeah, I like I said, I, I am a big fan of the Melrose Ballroom. Um, I don't like that because it's going to affect the, how the matches are going to be played out with the not any hardcore really stuff but i just it seems like they always step up anyway with everything else they know they realize like hey we're missing it's a, a, it's a compensation yeah we're missing a big identity of our company right now that made it successful but that means we're gonna have to step it up on everything else like production the, the cameras the lighting the videos in the background like i really wish they would kind of use it a little bit more that that uh the screen that they have that back there like um i think jordan did uh i, I I forgot where it was. Now I'm thinking of, it might have been the Toronto show that we're going to cover next, but it seemed mm-hmm. like every person had like a little Titantron video, even though it was basic with just their name and colorfuls and little small graphics. Just even one small thing I think was cool. It's a good start because if you're going to, if you have that technology right there for you, I think you should absolutely use it if it's going to improve the presentation of the show. And uh, that's just one thing I really wish they would do a little bit more here at the Melrose Ballroom. So that kind of goes into our next little spot when it comes to kind of, you know, um, tying people's hands behind their backs when it comes to wrestling. The New York State Commission, the rules don't really allow certain things at wrestling shows. So this does take away those aspects like you were talking. Um, Light tube death matches shows after, I believe, 11 p.m. and Nick Wayne. No, it's not because Nick Wayne (laughs) committed any crimes or anything. It's just his age. So that kind of negates him. You know, uh, Billy Starks up until not too long ago. So I just wanted to kind of mention that up front. So if you hear that there's no light tubes here and there, because there are a lot of deathmatch fans out there in the GCW community, like myself, that's why. Just want to kind of let that be known up front. And we will start with the action as typically GCW does. The first match is a six-way scramble with the competitors of Yoya. Uh, Steve, Scott, Starboy, Charlie, Jimmy, Lloyd, Alec Price, and Cole Radrick. And I took a lot of notes. It's, I think it's, it looks like a lot of notes, but it's really for like two or three sequences that happened. I kind of actually like wrote down uh, in depth, kind of like how you do with your notes, your rundown. Yeah, the death yeah. matches, I kind of have that for some of the cool spots here because uh, I thought even though it was a short match, there was a lot of cool spots and a lot of action during this six-minute match. And um, I I think Steve's uh, uh, Steve Scott kind of got to show out here, and I, th- I thought that was pretty cool because he's been doing a lot of stuff for like JCW and here and there for GCW. I thought this was a, a his kind of moment to shine since he stood uh, is on the main show for GCW in the Scramble in New York City. Uh, I really enjoyed everything he did during this match. Okay, so I agree with you. I'm going to get there in a second because that's kind of interesting. We'll talk about that. Um, I noticed that Price and Radrick both got their names chanted by the crowd. I'm happy to hear that. I'm both a fan of Cole Radrick and Price. I know you're a pretty big fan of both. So it's nice to hear that because, again, once Radrick lost that belt, we're still kind of seeing him wander around, and now he's in scramble. So that's that's where he's at at this current time. Price, he's on the come up. He's climbing that mountain slowly. I think that as he develops 
uh, as a character, as he develops physically, he's going to continue to go up the card. He kind of has that same Jordan Oliver kind of lengthy, slender, long, but at the same time, very easily can go out there, get muscular, fast as shit. So kind of reminds me of the same thing. Also, they have very similar Fosbury flops. I don't know how much you know about that, but they're yeah. very similar because Jordan really doesn't do a backflip. I don't think I've I don't think I've ever seen Jordan do a Fosbury flop before. The only That's one I really see is to the backflip, right? Uh, is the flop. I mean, yeah, I've seen him do a springboard, but it, oh, a springboard, yeah, like you a know, springboard what? moonsault well, yeah. was kind of like the closest one. Like when I think of yeah. Fosbury flop, I go to Blake Christian, and I really like how he's added oh, like a little sure. wrinkle here. I don't know if you noticed it because I was actually had it in one of my notes in one of these last shows we did this week, but I don't think I mentioned it where he's kind of. Adjusted it. It's not the Fosbury flop no more, but it's the Frogsbury flop because yeah, he does yeah, like yeah. a little tuck there in the middle of it and and bounces out. Uh, you almost had to do a little tuck there, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> my shit, I almost went <laughs> backwards in this fucking chair. I thought Dude. you were trying to show me what Blake Christian does. I was I was very oh, interested no, no, to no. see you try it. No, no, no. Anytime my ass is elevated over my head is a bad day. It's never good. There's only one way a body this size goes, and that's head up and ass down. Wow, that's not a good way to say it, is it? Ooh, we anyway. are starting hot here. But I do yeah, like are, I, I do so. like uh, Blake Christian's uh, little adjustment to it, because that's also another thing we always said. Even though we we hate him storyline and character-wise purpose, he's such an incredible wrestler, and I do like how he's made that into his own little thing. Even though but now we see more people start to do the Fosbury flop. He's adjusted it to make himself still unique, do uh, unique in doing it. Um, run around a quick thing too, because I know you're this. I would, and maybe you did this, and I just don't even remember it. Because <laughs> it's mm-hmm. been really a long week. Did you give the history of the Fosbury flop, or did I see that on Twitter? Uh, that's possible. So I'll, I'll give you something real quick, just off the you know. Okay, so he just passed away March twelfth, twenty twenty three, seventy six years old. So he was just one of those guys that he did the high jump and the way he jumped was very innovative and they named it after him. And just real fast to kind of go back to that person like that created that thread on the whole Fosbury flop. I thought that was a pretty cool idea. And I don't know if that's, this is something that this person does just because they know the history of it or if they make content. But I think that'd be a cool YouTube channel of like, or even podcasts, like once a week, just bring up a move, talk about who was the one that first did it, where they kind of came up with that idea, what it was named after. Like this one was named after uh, 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 Fosbury. I forgot his first name that you said. And Mr. Yeah, right. Uh, that's what I was about <laughs> to say. Mr. Mr. Fosbury. But I'm like, oh, uh, sounds like I'm talking about uh, that the bear from <laughs> from the Muppets. But I think it'd be a cool, <laughs> cool concept. Like I'd actually check it out on YouTube if uh, they had something like that where they were just like do like the history of the moves in wrestling, talk about it, and who was the first one that kind of mentioned it, even mentioned like the commentary because uh, I really enjoyed like learning all that information just on the Fosbury flop as well. So. Maybe that's something I'll have to add if I ever have time. Maybe I'll just dig into like one aspect of wrestling every episode or every other episode, just just for fun for us fellow nerds, because there's a lot of us that know our shit out there. So if I can maybe pull out something that's noteworthy, I'll have to definitely do that sometime. So I'm going to go to Steve Scott for a second. I do remember we spoke about him at a JCW show quite a, quite a few episodes ago. It was probably what four, five, six months ago. I, I mean, think it was a settlement maybe series. a settlement series. Yep, yep settlement exactly. series. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
So what I was saying about him initially was he came out with a cell phone, he's taken selfies, and then after the phone goes in the way in the beginning, we were left with what as a character. So I will say this match, he showed the fuck up. And I mean, he really did a good, good job. He was featured a lot in this match and he did really well. And I don't know what was going on between the two matches that, you know, the one I first saw and this one. But this dude, like this showed me why Steve Scott was asked to come to GCW and show up for a match. Like, I get it now. Yeah, I kind of was thought of him as kind of like a character wrestler. And I think that's fine because I, I really did like his stuff um, all with the character and the cell phone and how he looks in the presentation, even how he kind of like ta- uses the taunts in the ring and stuff like that. Um, but I never really saw him. I know he's done like that one. He always puts uh, the person on the top rope and then does like turns around and like does the tombstone driver onto the. Uh, onto the mat like that spot I've seen before but he did a couple here like I said I'll go over to it when you get there yeah you have a list of some spots there you want to go over some of them sure so yeah yeah why not uh one of them here like I said this is a really broken down kind of like how yours is so hopefully this gives a good excuse me sorry no it's all good I'm like clearing my throat I'm still like I'm I'm coming back alive from all this illness I'm like okay Okay. four shows in man my voice is killing me oh my god yeah trust me I hear you on that one but uh, Yoda was trying to do the one of the uh, his Cambodian destroyer to uh, Steve, who was on the apron, and then like they were going to do the destroyer to the outside. But Steve caught him, and I thought that was pretty cool. It caught his legs and held him, uh, like kind of trapped him. So then now Yoda's like about to like kind of looks like he's doing like the sunset flip uh, with Steve Scott holding him, and right as Alec Price was about to do his dive to the outside. Like he was trying to go right at Steve Scott and uh, and Yoya, you just see Steve Scott just drop it into a driver onto the apron as Alec Price flew over into the uh, competitors on the outside, and I was like, I just love that because it was like perfect timing and it made sense. It wasn't like one yeah. of these. I my new saying though, this is because freaking righteous reg but i mean him like the same kind of wrestling with the young bucks and stuff and he always calls it like spot food wrestling like just like these scrambles are spot 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 he calls it like spot yep. food and he loved it and i love it too but i really enjoyed how this one didn't look like it was a part of the spot like it looked like that could have actually happened where alec price was trying to dive into scott and yoya to go onto the outside but steve uh, did a cool cool drop down and turned it into a reverse pile driver i loved seeing that um and then there was another one where once again, he caught him in, like I was saying, Scott did the, caught Yoya in that spike pile driver position with Yoya's feet. Uh, but this time, instead of being on the top rope, Alec Price was sitting on the top rope. And yeah, yeah. Scott put Yoya's feet on top of Alec Price's shoulders and uh, dropped down. And as he dropped down, Yoya's legs end up flipping Alec Price. Uh, and <laughs> flipped Alec Price off the top rope into a destroyer on Jimmy who was Jimmy Lloyd who was sitting on the or standing on the inside and uh Steve Scott was still connected with his move with the the spike pile driver to Yoya and I just really loved how kind of like Yoya was the main guy involved in both mm-hmm. situations and I think that makes total sense cuz he's probably in this match one of the the easiest competitor to kind of control their body and be able to do these cool moves with um but those were the two big spots I really like from Steve Scott cuz they just there was a lot of action going on with one move with Four other people getting affected to it and like i said i never really saw this in-ring work from him and it was very nice seeing this uh 
this side of Steve Scott, as you said, instead of just like the character with the cell phone that's like, hey, what, once you lose that, what's going to happen? And I, as you said, I think yeah, he did a great next? job tonight of showing what is next and what he is capable of in the ring. Yeah, it was just um, I was just happy and I felt like um, he redeemed himself a little bit because, again, there's two different matches there. And again, I'm sure in the uh, settlement series, he wasn't asked to go out there and, you know, put on a WrestleMania style, you know, match. So, yeah, that's OK. Well, Alec was featured almost prominently in this match. Um, New York is part of Alec Price's territory. He's so much bigger than Boston. He is the Northeast Beast, which I love the name. Starboy had completely disappeared until about the second half of the match. I found that kind of funny. I have seen a lot of GCW scrambles. I know the formula and they're just not getting old. I think you kind of know the formula by now, too. They just they don't get old. You're really just kind of hoping. Um, I look at it like cereal because there's so many different pieces. You're like, OK, what kind of what kind of pieces are going in the cereal? I don't know. Like maybe I. Yeah, something's wrong with me, dude. I don't know. Uh, but um. Ratrick was dominant in spots. There was really no big moves. This wrestling match, again, I usually try to stay away from ones where there's five or more people because it just gets so chaotic to write notes, which, B, we were just talking about, like, it's chaotic to write notes on these because you're just in the middle of typing and you just missed one, sometimes two things. You're like, oh, shit. Then you have to go back and pause and then. It's not easy, is it? <laughs> oh, no, like I said, like as soon as Steve Scott caught Yo-Yo on the outside and blocked the Cambodian driver, I was like, oh, that's so cool. I know what he's going to do. He's going to drop him on his head. So I paused it and I started typing on my phone and then I played, restarted it. And like as it's happening, Alec Price jumped over. I'm like, oh, shit, I got to add more. So pause it again. Alec Price on top of this did the jump. So, yeah, I, I don't think I could do how you do it with the with your deathmatch uh, sequences because it is a lot of work to do. So... Yeah, about, I would say in a three-hour show, uh, uh, let's just say 10 minutes of distractions over that time. It's about four or five hours to get this stuff done. It really is, and that's just, that's just how it is, though. But it comes across pretty good on the, you know, because we're at least thorough. It makes us more thorough because then I don't forget things. And then it helps every, you know, it just... If you're like, well, you know, I can't remember this or that. You look at the notes and you're like, oh, that's it. And then you're able to just pick up and start talking. So, okay. So back to my little highlights here of each person. Um, Jimmy Lloyd, as always, he's there and present, usually in the background. I honestly think Jimmy's the kind of guy we're going to blink and he's just put in 30 years and we don't even know how. It's just like how far he flies under the radar that we didn't even know he's 25. Like he comes off like he's 28, 30. I don't know, but the last two minutes was an exciting flurry of moves by everyone. Radrick takes control in the last 45 seconds and delivers Little Sebastian's curse on Steve Scott. Our winner here was Cole Radrick. I wrote here that it was satisfying and quick. Everyone got their shit in, and Alec shined. I will hand it back over to you, Bob. No, I, Which isn't your real name. Bob is not. <laughs> I, I know it's B, but yeah, it's, yeah. Your, his real name is not Bob. You totally don't even look like a Bob. Watch, I'm going to get called Bob at the collective or something now. I, I'll, I'll laugh. I'll call you Roberto. <laughs> the Cuban Bob. Um, yeah. I, Roberto. <laughs> oh, my God. What is that? Waterboy? I think, yeah, Waterboy. I think so. Yeah. Um, no, I loved this whole scramble. Like you said, it was fun. Uh, six minutes, and there was a lot of shit going on. That's for sure. Um, I yeah. do... I too did forget that Starboy Charlie was on here. Um, when I was kind of reading over my notes there, and I looked up and I saw like how on your notes you have the Starboy Charlie. I'm like, oh shit, I don't even remember see- seeing Starboy Charlie. Is he <laughs> sure he's in there? Like, and then yeah, I see him now. But um, one impressive thing I always 
from this venue, kind of going back to this venue too, is every single dive to the outside is in the same spot. It's on the rampway because that's like the only spot they could have any space to uh, do any sort of moves from the inside out. And I'm just always so impressed, no matter where they're jumping from, either be from the turnbuckle, from the ropes, to the from the apron, from the inside out, they've never hit the guardrail. We've had one, like, I think during this match, somebody was, like, really close. I think it was Steve Scott, actually. He did, like, the moonsault, like, right over the corner of it where he could have landed his whole uh, torso onto the guardrail, but he just barely cleared it. And uh, that made me remind, that reminded me of, like, everybody's never, nobody's ever hit the guardrail from what I've seen or can remember. Hmm. And I think that's just always impressive because it's such tight quarters out there at the Melrose Ballroom. Well, I think you said it right. It's tight quarters. Even if they say, hey, you got to move out of the way, getting people to move out of the way for the people that need to move out of the way is going to take time. And it's just it's too much. So I think it's really good that they played it safe like that. And um, yeah, I uh, gosh, I'm, I'm actually searching to say anything more. But, you know, my notes ran out and all my words ran out and you were pretty thorough when it comes to the play by play on some of that stuff. So not bad. Cool. And uh Again, I'm going to always be 100% behind Alec for quite a while now until he shows me otherwise. And Steve Scott, um, again, I'm, I want to see him now again. I wasn't sold earlier. Now I am. Yeah, I definitely think, as we, I think we were talking about the last uh, two scrambles in AC, where it kind of felt like it was Alec Price's scrambles tonight, definitely did feel like it was Steve Scott. Even though he didn't get the victory, I, he's obviously, in my mind, was the big winner of the... Uh, scramble because all his cool spots that happened during this match. For the second matchup of the evening, it is Blake Christian going against Jack Cartwheel. And Jack Cartwheel, I was kind of glad to see this match because it was a one-on-one and not a trios lucha or just even a scramble. I wanted to see because we've talked about his improvement um, that he's had since he's been working with AAA. And I think he's worked a little bit Japan. I can't remember mostly. I think mostly Jack Hart was AAA. But um, having to step up in competition and singles uh, competition against Blake Christian, who is probably the number one heel or number two with Charles Mason, but also with win-loss, he's right up there with uh, the record-wise. And... I wanted to see if Jack Cartwheel. I wanted to see the improvement in a singles match with Jack Cartwheel, and I definitely got to see it here. I think he did really good match with Blake Christian, and Blake Christian once again just absolutely knows how to get it underneath everyone's skin. And New York definitely didn't hold back on their uh, reactions with Blake as well. I'm gonna fuck with you a little bit just for fun. Uh, compared to the LA show and a little most recently, I feel like Blake held Jack Cartwheel offensively down to a point to where he wasn't able to perform as much as he normally does. I didn't see the cartwheels flying as much. Like it seems like Blake kind of, kind of grounded him a little in this match, which again, pretty interesting. But um, I noticed Blake doesn't have as many boos tonight when he came out, but uh, they picked up when the match started the Northeast, like especially New York and Philly, they love a good heel and they usually try to cheer him on. It's almost like when Stone Cold, it's like the Stone Cold thing where the more bad he is, the more good he is. And so, it's the opposite too. Like we've seen like with Roman Reigns when he came out for the Royal, won the Royal Rumble, like in Philly, they booed the shit out of him. He's supposed to be the yep. biggest baby face. Like they go opposite, but they go with what they really feel. They like the authentic, true, like you said, badass, not like the watered down baby face versions of and being told of who to cheer for and stuff like that, which I really kind of like those crowds because of that reason. 
So that, well, that's the interesting part though. This gives wrestling promoters and bookers an issue because it turns booking on its head completely a hundred percent. So, um, the Northeast is really rough. They'll break heels. I mean, they will really break heels down to where someone goes out there and they try to stay in character and they start to get timid and meek and they're not able to be as effective as they should be. But luckily, Alec is getting real heat. He's healing the right way. Boston's his home base, so he had to cut his teeth and get his education in the Northeast. 100% shows, that's for sure. The um, the crowd tried to get on Blake with a you fucked up chant at one point. He really didn't fuck up the move, but it looked like he almost did. And that is enough for New York fans to be right up his ass. Like You just show a little bit of weakness, man, and they are all over you. And that's exactly what they were doing here. Again, I just, the booze started coming, but when he first came out, it wasn't as much as I had thought. There wasn't the middle fingers and it wasn't all crazy like it was at uh, LA and at AC. Yeah, the different version of like, it was, it's authentic, like booze, not the like, get the fuck out of my face kind of stuff. Like you said, right, the middle fingers right. and stuff. Um, and I, that, I, all those reasons you said, I think that's why I do like, the those northeast crowds just kind of fucking shit up for promoters like hey like just go with it roll with the punches like i think and gcw does a pretty good job with it and i've seen other promotions not do a good job of like if the fans are booing and it's just if it's not just in that sort of like as we saw as ac kind of made some other places start to boo blake christian out of nowhere and all these other places weren't going to boo him because they didn't have any reason to where the ac crowd felt they did because they're about to give that speech but i like kind of the chaos that happens with baby faces getting booed and heels getting cheered it just causes a lot of uncertainty and i as a wrestling fan i love the uncertain part of it because it always feels like i'm in for a surprise like i think that's one of the real reasons i always like the Wrestle the raw after WrestleMania is too because that crowd's from ev- all over the world and they're one of the most loudest. But then <laughs> they will overtake a show and kind of, as you said, ruin kind of the promoters' plans of what they were going to do, babyface and heel. But I think that just cut- makes for everybody to think on their toes and uh, adapt to the situation. Well, we've said it before: a crowd can actually make or break a show. Imagine a dead crowd at a WrestleMania main event. You know, it's just. It could get real ugly. And we've been to some local shows where it can get dead quiet real quick. And then you're like, uh, and, and what do the wrestlers really have to feed off of when you're watching something and you can hear the crickets chirping? So luckily we don't see that very often, but every now and then somebody, you know, might have a match where the Vegas crowd, especially they're, they're polite and they're kind of quiet and they really do enjoy watching a match. So I don't know, but I'm going to go ahead back in. I can, I can get off on this one too for a minute and go like way on a tangent here, but the match started out fast. It had the level of speed and athleticism that I was looking for in the beginning. We have a lot of you still suck chance. Blake answers with the DX suck it. That's that's he's staying with that one. That's not going to leave from here on out. Blake was wasting a lot of time, but the fans are hating it and it worked. The fans were behind Jack because of Christian's heel heat. I put that in my notes because there wasn't a lot working here for cartwheel. And because of that reason, he wasn't the one responsible for getting his, uh, you know, his face love. He was really, he was really defined by the heel in this one. So if Blake didn't do his job as well as he did, the match may have fallen a little more flat than it did. That's just my personal opinion on it. But Jack has become very good in the last six months. It's, you know, we, we kind of start, we've started to mention this more and more, but 
it's become more and more prominent. So what are you going to do but talk about it? And I think we're going to talk about a little bit more in the next podcast we do when we cover the Toronto show because uh, Jack Harwell had a pretty crazy, great match with Gringo Loco as well with some crazy spots that uh, seemed very difficult to pull off. Dude, uh, Gringo's on another level too. He's one where I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing him move up to the next level soon. And he's starting to get wins. Well, we'll talk about this one later. I keep like, I'm, yeah, Spoiler I'm ready to alerts. out. <laughs> no, it is what I'm just, I'm ready to talk about this one. Then I want to talk about this one. But, well, um, when we get all caught up, it'll be a lot easier to do that. But then we'll yeah. be 10 shows behind at that point, And we'll be right back Shit. to right here where we are now. Uh, Given spoilers okay. on something that happened 10 shows later. I'm going to lose a lot of hair over those 10 shows. I just guarantee it right now, dude. Uh, <laughs> So um, fans yell out. I, I heard one guy, he was like, you used to be cool. And the whole crowd lost their shit laughing. Blake is really working the fans. Again, people are starting to get pissed off. You can hear individual fans now yelling that will come across all the rest of the fans on TV. When you start to hear individual fans yelling like that, you really do have the crowd because now you have full grown men pissed off. And if it's louder than the rest of the people around him, he's mad. So Good job to Blake on that one. Um, it took about four minutes before both men really settled into a good wrestling match. Cartwheel and Blake are both outsmarting each other initially. You both were using misdirection and speed to do it. Blake was showing off. Uh, uh, wow. Bleah. Blake was showing off awesome athleticism. And you'll still hear you suck chants from the crowd. So it was kind of a show of respect. We talk about this in the last episode where if somebody sees something fantastic, they're like, fuck it. You still suck, dude. That's what they were doing here. So he was again, still being acknowledged as just a badass wrestler. Cartwheel was getting caught before a lot of his moves and could be pulled off sadly, but you know, cartwheels exciting. So he did still a lot. Like I said, for me, I felt like he was a touch muted, did I just get spoiled by L.A.? I don't think you got spoiled by L.A. I just think that's when we talk about Blake Christian's heel run lately. This is like the brilliance of it. He's not going to give the fans his moveset that they all want to see while also muting Jack Cartwheel's moveset, which is just going to further intensify the heat. And that's what I was thinking during this match that whole time, because I know Jack Cartwheel kept on trying to do that uh, Cartwheel uh, to the outside and do the flip to the outside. But Blake kept on blocking it, and I just think that just shows up. That just shows why I've been liking Blake's run as heel because he's doing shit like that. And even like during this match, he called like for the referee. He's like looking at the referee. He's like, "What'd you think of that? That's too easy. This is too easy." I think that's when that one fan said, "You still suck," and he's like, "Yeah, I'm still in here, and you're not kind of stuff." And I think that's right. why I you feel he was muted, and because Blake, I think, did a really good job healing it up during this match, preventing us from seeing Jack Cartwheel's cool moveset. Well, there was really cool, like one cool spot from Cartwheel worth mentioning here. He does connect with like this beautiful Death Valley driver, and he immediately followed it up with a tope to the outside that just popped the crowd. Holy shit, chance immediately. Blake basically then hits a low blow on Cartwheel when the ref wasn't looking. This pretty much was the beginning of the end for Cartwheel. He was finished after that low blow. It took pretty much any bit of energy that Cartwheel left out of him. And he basically just turns around and does a curb stomp for the win. So our winner here was Blake Christian with that curb stomp. And my feeling here was this match was for Blake Christian, if anyone. And Cartwheel was uh, was just along for the ride here. That's the best way I can put it. 
No, yeah, that if you're if we're kind of watching it from the outside, like how we are trying to figure out why Jack Cartwell didn't get his as much shit in as he wants to, like we kind of have that kind of thought. But I think as a for a normal like regular casual fan, they wouldn't even notice the difference. But we right. we noticed it because we watch Jack Cartwell all the time, and we know as much as he's grown over the last couple months and all all the new stuff that he's been doing and landing it a lot more cleanly. Um, I. Think that just is going to help Blake Cart or Blake Cartwell. Oof, that's a new tag team, Blake Cartwell. Ah, it's your turn. Uh, your turn to is, fuck up now. Man, I don't know how we're going to do ten shows in two weeks. Uh, but um, cocaine. <laughs> that, that might that might have to be the call. That there. might have to pick up some habits. <laughs> but I I think that helped out with Jack because now next time we see him, everyone's going to be like, hey, is he still going to be doing those? We're going to be looking more forward to seeing him because we didn't get to see him this yeah, time. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I thought this was a good match. I just I think this was obviously for Blake, and I'm wondering. I don't. I think we already did spoil it on the last episode, but I I, just in case you are listening here, I'm going to try to keep it spoiler free as much as possible. But I wonder if Blake is this is his final. Uh, if this is finally his time as the heel to go for the GCW Championship with all the, the way they keep on pushing, how much as he does his post-match antics and the heel turn and turning his back on the fans. They're really pushing it where I feel like maybe they're about to put the strap on him as one of the next challengers for the GCW world title. I like the idea. Again, not going to lie up against someone like Moxley, a touch small. Um, <laughs> I'm going to jump ahead. I'd like to see Cardona win this. That's title. still another one too. Yeah. I, I still kind of have that. I like, I do want to see a, a, like even just another match, even if he doesn't win just another opportunity at it because uh why not we might not be seeing him anymore uh, unfortunately after the collective if the rumors what's kind of going around are true but these rumors have been swirling around him for the last few months and Uh still here so that's where i'm kind of like i i and the deep down inside i really think he should be going up and as this kind of character but then also i'm thinking with all the call-ups and everything else happening he might just he might feel like he will get lost in the shuffle up there and he's getting told all these things and promised all these things but it's not going to happen within a couple months all that shit might change and he might regret it so i think he is really enjoying what he's doing on the indies and he still might keep on doing this indie god stuff because i think it's working out for him and i do if he does become a GCW world title holder again i will not complain about it because he's been entertaining and i during this match with uh with homicide later on i took a lot of notes and kind of uh saying a lot of matt cardona's praises so i'll kind of save that till for that match as well it's kind of where i think he is possibly heading up at so what i just wrote down here when it comes to cardona is that every belt he wins is another belt he has to lose so every time he picks up a championship i really have hopes that he'll hold it for a while because that's the that's just more cardona that we get to see and i'm a big fan so i actually think he just won a title tonight I uh, or maybe he was the was the champion the going into it. Um, I think he WSW won the I, yeah, the new AIW absolute champion. Oh, Matt yeah, AIW. Yeah. So exactly, the more championships he wins, it makes it feel like he is going to be around here for a long time. Because you said, unless he just goes on this tremendous losing streak in the next two weeks, which is possible in wrestling, I've, like we saw FTR lose all those belts that they had in a matter of like two months. So, um, yeah, I'll go. I'll talk about that Cardona stuff later because it kind of ties into what the notes I have later uh, going into him being a title holder on the independent wrestling scene. Okay, then me too. 
<laughs> I know we got a lot yeah. of the same. Well, there's a lot the of Cardona story. to talk about. Yeah, you know there sure. just is. But I think so, um, you you think first, I, and then I'll think second. I was just gonna say I, I enjoyed this Blake Christian Jack Cartwheel match, even though as you said we didn't get to see as much Jack Cartwheel as I hoped for, and a lot of fans did as well. I think this did a very good job of further escalating Blake Christian as the top heel and pushing him towards a possible chance at the GCW world title. So I was noticing, noticing that uh, Veda kept a cartwheel count. So we had almost 10 cartwheels. So I believe we were at eight and a half or nine and a half. I'm not really sure, but yeah, I'm just going to kind of go back on it. This match was definitely about pushing Blake. I don't believe the cartwheel had a chance to shine as much as possible. I know I'm repeating myself, but that's, it must've been a really important note several times here. It seems, but I also noticed that at the end of this match here, you could see Cartwheel kind of get down from the ring and stand there and he yells fuck after his loss and he walked off. That is not face material. And I know this is real heavy speculation, but could he do a heel turn? As much as I've been moving everyone else to freaking heel, I don't think Jack Hart was a heel. I think he's agree. I still think he's a face and for until he totally changes his nickname and gimmick, it might eat that might just be a face thing because I don't see him doing cartwheels and stuff in the ring being booed with the deck last name cartwheel as well. I, I just find it hard. It's going to, I find it hard to boo Jack cartwheel. Smart. Me too. He'd have to really pull some bullshit or try to hop on the mic like Blake did in AC. And then they'll start booing the shit out of him when he's trying to give like a goodbye that he's going to triple A off for a little bit. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know, but I, I, I think it's very tough to uh, root against Jack cartwheel. That will lead us into our third matchup of the evening as Willie Mack goes against Tony Deppin. I love this match and every single facial reaction that came with this match. I was more focused on the faces more than the actual impact of the moves. And I found it very enjoyable because both are charismatic uh, and tell a great story with their facial reactions during these matches. I think I even said it before with Willie Mack because when he wrestles, his facial reactions always kill me. Whether it be like the wide-eyed after he gets caught in, or surprised with the move, or um, when he's trying to get the crowd to react and he starts doing the dances and stuff, I I just really love what Willie Mack's been doing, and I'm very glad to see him a lot more on GCW programming, especially outside of uh, LA and California. Dude, facial reactions, good fucking call. I didn't think about that until you kind of said something, but both of them kind of do rely on their reactions and especially Willie. He's damn good at it. Really interesting. It's just, that was a good point, dude. So uh, Willie was out first. Uh, You're, you're with me here. I love his entrance song. We've always loved it. And I like how he always goes all the way around the ring to greet everyone. That matters, especially to a fan like me. I think it really matters that I have a chance to say, Hey, Willie, or just, you know, high five him or something like that. Um, Not as many people were singing along to Deppin's music tonight. So I'm wondering if the heel work that Deppin does is starting to have an effect on that. I just, I don't know. What are you thinking? I mean, I, again, early speculation, but do you think it may get to a point to where singing his song kind of dies down? It's hard, man. It's hard to say yes to that. I don't know. I think it's such a classic song as well. It's kind of exactly. it's hard to not sing the song. Um, but yeah, I was, I actually didn't even think about it. I think, well, I didn't make a note of it, but I remember watching this and I had, a very similar thought, but it was like quickly went away from my my memory. But I thought the same exact thing. I'm like, wait, the New York crowd is usually the one that's singing like a Hammerstein. That was like a big deal. I know he was kind of pushing it too and asking people to sing it. Like, hey, wouldn't it be so cool if we 
we saying I built this city in Hammerstein, and they did. They stepped up then, but usually even here at the Melrose Ballroom, they're always screaming that song. Even when the music stops, they're still singing his song usually. Um, but yeah, this time I did notice when it was like, yeah, they would, I, I didn't enjoy the entrance as much because the fans didn't get as involved as I expected them to be. Uh-huh. And that's how a crowd can affect things. Yeah. Right there. Sure. Blew the whole hype out of him like that. I mean, it really didn't, but it very well could have because we already have our mindset but, on who Tony Deppin is and how we feel about him. And luckily, yeah, he was a heel, too, because if he was a faith and came out and didn't get the reaction, then that would be a lot worse oh, than a heel. That's for sure. Dude, that would have been death. That poor bastard would have had to go out and wrestle like that. Then, He'd too. have to do what Carlos Romo did. It was like, OK, that wasn't loud enough. Let's try this again. Go back into the curtain. <laughs> get louder this time, guys. One, one more time. One more. You know. But uh, yeah, I just I had to just mention that, too, because that was the first time I've really heard not as much from the crowd when it comes to that. But there were some crowd noises going on out there. We had fuck him up Willie Chance, uh, which ended up having Tony yell, this is bullshit, because he did not like all the Willie Mac chants. There's a nice spot where Willie chopped Deppin's chest multiple times per fans request, by the way. It sounded absolutely nasty. Lastly, he turns the uh, last chop into a purple nurple, which is never a good move. Willie has been dominant for about the first three minutes. Deppin eventually hits a lung blower that Willie sold well. Honestly, I just think it's cool that there's a move called the lung blower. It just sounds vicious, right? Yeah, I <laughs> I, I do like that move as well. Um, no matter where Willie goes, though, people enjoy watching him beat up on people. I don't know what it is if it's like... He's a, just like a really strong six-year-old and people are like, go get him, Bobby. And he just goes out there and beats on something. You know what I mean? I don't know what it really is about him, but people like to cheer him on and get him all riled up and then just send him out there and let him pit bull on someone. So I don't know. But um, did you see Tony's facial reaction after the first chop that Willie Mack gave him? Like, that was my big note. Like, Tony's eyes oh, were like yeah. wide eyed. He's like, oh my God. Like that that's where I wrote the note. Like I love the facial reactions because Tony Deppin's cell of that chop was magnificent in my mind. Well, Deppin was losing his shit in this match too, because he threatened to punch the ref. Like everyone started booing because of it. Uh both men fought hard and were laying down in the ring from basically hard fighting. We had a big GCW from the fans. And then Willie's thing, he kips up and fans blew the fuck up. They're like, all right, good guy's going to win now. It's a very even match between Deppin and Willie throughout this whole thing. Now, I'm going to go ahead and try to mention a couple spots here. Let me see. I've got one, two. I've got a couple here. So there's a spot where Tony hit a double foot, basically double foot stomps from the top rope onto Willie's chest. He rolls up and only gets two, but then he starts to fight again with Scarlet. Another spot where Willie and Deppin exchange slaps in the middle of the ring, leading up to Willie hitting the exploder. Another spot where Willie then hits the super exploder for a few moments and uh, only gets a two. Deppin then connects with multiple knees. He can't believe Willie isn't going down easy. Deppin eventually uh, took out Willie with a knee to the back of his head and gets a three for the win. Winner here, Tony De I am thrown off. What the fuck are you laughing at? I'm sorry. At I was, I'm my bad, dude. I can't. I'm watching, no, I had no. to rewind it and go back to the chop spot again. Because like, Tony Deppin's selling it. It's hysterical. I was wondering. I'm you sorry. Yeah. Went, oh, shit. No, no, no. I was like, oh, shit. What did I just say? No, I started laughing. I was like, oh, shit. I got to stop. I'm going to mess him up. That was funny, though. That that that, <laughs> that, that, that sell by Tony on that chop was hysterical. Uh, it was a fun match, though. I, d I definitely a different, did it. A different... He's a different kind of heel. Yeah. He's like, 
I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, he's a heel. Like, you obviously want to boo, but then he's also so damn good at, like, in the ring, selling and getting under people's nerves where it's like, damn, he's really good at his job. You got to respect that. And the respect is what makes him makes the fans keep calling for uh, keep calling him the lovable asshole that GCW uh, fans kind of react to him. Like, I think he gets, like, a lot of this, the same reaction. Like, we all hate him, but then, like, at, we're always smiling during his matches and at the end and just having a good time because he just – he invokes a lot of crowd reaction. Whether it yeah. be – even if it's a negative – like, he's trying to get heat on him, it's still so fun to be rude to this asshole. Like, everybody enjoys right. – booing him and everybody has a smile on their face as they're booing it's not like the blank gets like the anger anger people and charles mason really gets even more worse but i and cardona i think everybody just kind of laughs at him and makes fun of him because he's still doing the whole wwe stick where tony Deppin, i think as you said he uh uh uh, uh I, f- I forgot who you were talking about earlier if it was tony Depp or willie mack like the pit bull you just sent out there you're talking about willie mack oh right? yeah 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 willie mack See, I think I was kind of thinking like a little bit of the opposite. Tony Deppin could be kind of like the little the Pete Dunne character in WWE. He's like that little rambunctious kid that just always wants to scrap and fight and won't hold back. And then you let him out. And that's how he comes out sometimes, too. He comes out with like mm-hmm. that mean walk and just going to blow right by the fans and not like let him touch him and stuff like that. Uh, I just I don't know. Tony Deppin is one that I really, really, really enjoy. And I think he also is a little bit uh, underappreciated as well with uh I know he gets a lot of cool spotlight matches and stuff, but like regarding wins and losses, I think he's a, a little been disrespected on that, but I don't think he really cares for that. That's like in every company he's been in. He kind of always does lose the most, but he still has a lot of memorable moments where the match where he's still super over, even with the win or even with all those losses. Okay. So I know Tony Deppin's heel style. I'm in this in the greatest of ways, but this is what he reminds me of. You watch, like you and I both watch him. Are you ready? To me, he reminds me of a cranky three-year-old. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not kidding. Watch him go to the ring all pissed off like a three-year-old. He looks, I think he's imitating like kind of like a kid kind of thing. Yeah. And that's probably why we find it cute and funny. Even his reactions, everything else is like, ah, oh, it's almost like how a kid would react. Even the throwing a fit, temper tantrums, getting mad. It's kind of like a kid. I was going to say, it's cute, but I also know that sounds kind of bad with that all. But I like this match. It was a... It was exactly what I expected from both competitors. It was a solid match, a lot of entertainment, a lot of fun selling, and two solid workers that I think could do a lot more with a lot of all these different companies. And I'm just kind of going back to uh, Tony Depp and Willie Mack. Like, I'm kind of glad they've been working Ring of Honor shows and... Uh, doing a lot of fun stuff for ring of honor and that's kind of makes me made me even though i was going to check out ring of honor anyway but seeing all these gcw names blake billy uh willie mack tony depp and all these people that we see on gcw whenever they're on these ring of honor matches i kind of like get into it more just because they're wrestling on a bigger stage and i like seeing that from our gcw rosters it's bittersweet it really is bittersweet because you see them succeed. It, well, like I said, you're sad to see him leave, but you're happy to see him succeed. I need to get a sayings board. <laughs> Just little sayings, put it over here. Uh, little, I'm, I'm gathering quotes. <laughs> Real fast going off the Tony Depp and win losses. So this is off of Cage. Ma- oh, this ain't going to be GCW specific either, I don't think. Um, uh, I guess I you can you can do that, though. Yeah, I forgot how to do it because I'm not used to using. OK, oh, okay. Here we go. give me a I second. I, I, I can it. do it for you. OK. But just based off of looking, here we go. Game Changer Wrestling. He's had 
Oh, okay, I guess I shouldn't be using that stat then, because it definitely does not feel like uh, that winning percentage. But based off of Cage Match, looking at the Game Changer Wrestling uh, Tony Deppin record, I think this is all time, if I'm not mistaken. But he actually does have way more wins and losses in GCW. He has 71 wins with 47 losses. Um, that's interesting. I, I guess maybe I just always assume, like, with, I, maybe I just lump into with the Ring of Honor and both versions of Ring of Honor when he was wrestling that he used to kind of lose a lot there too. So, uh, yeah, I'm actually kind of shocked at that stat. I might, I might not be looking at it completely the right way, but uh, yeah, good for him though. Like I said, it feels like he loses, but maybe that's just because he's been that good of an asshole where no matter what, it always feels like he's, as you said, throwing a temper tantrum, throwing a fit, but maybe I just, in my mind, it just sticks with me that he lost all those matches, even though he probably did some dirty handed tactic to win. With win and losses, I just look at who's getting pushed and who's pushing who it's like, you know, Tony Deppen does so much work when it comes to putting people over those losses probably mean a lot more than the average wrestlers losses in GCW because he puts over so many. I look at it that way. I think he's rewarded with wins, but yeah, I don't, I don't do too much on the win losses side sometimes too much because in GCW, it doesn't really equate sometimes. Yeah. In GCW. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I thought you were done. Um, in GCW, the way I look at, okay, so like in AEW, what, Kenny Omega or somebody has the most wins? All right. Uh, yeah. The winner, possibly, the yeah. most, roughly, roughly, yeah. the most, who is it? Moxley? I th- actually think it's Moxley. I, I think actually they just announced yeah. Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy or Orange Cassidy now actually is sticking out to my mind. I think those are the two. Dude, I really wish they wouldn't just rack up numbers on Dark or Dark Elevation because you really don't get to see all these wins pile up. That takes uh, you a little bit, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, what I was going to say was my equation for GCW is not wins and losses. It's how many times they've, how many, how many matches they've had at GCW in that given year. Because it's not win-loss as much because there's not as many storylines. Therefore, the win doesn't always matter as much. So that's why I say I'd rather count the appearances because since GCW isn't a show that has a roster, it kind of makes sense that appearances tell you more about who the regulars are than anything else. And like I said, wins and losses with no storyline, wins and losses don't matter too much. Exactly. That's where I was going to go to. Like the only time I really care about wins and losses is when they're going for a title defense or uh, right, when they're right. challenging for a title. That's the only time I ever really care about wins and losses. Other than that, like there's certain wrestlers, like I don't care at all who wins or loses like Gringo. Like I don't like his wins or losses aren't going to hurt him. And same thing. Gringo with, and Bandino. Yeah. And, Could give a shit less who wins. I just want to see it go down. Yep. And same thing with Tony Deppin. Like he, even though it feels like he loses a lot, even though I was wrong, uh, I don't mind if we lose a lot because he's still always so entertaining. And I th- always ha- think he's an incredible threat to win, no matter the situation. Like, you know, like some of these people, like they lose so much. We're like, okay, I know he's going to lose this match where Tony Depp and I don't ever know if he's going to lose or win. And I think that's good for, um, it's kind of like the gate kind of gatekeeper kind of thing gimmick because um, they want to still put over new incoming talent while also making them, keeping themselves as a credible threat and, I don't mind if Gringo Loco or Tony Deppin wins. I just want to see them wrestle because I know that it's going to always be an entertaining matchup, win or lose. Well, we end up winning both ways because if Tony wins, we love it. But if he loses, it's generally, again, because he's putting over someone we usually like. Win-win. Yep, exactly. Like you said, elevate someone else and they still have a fantastic matchup. 
Uh, that will lead us into our fourth matchup of the evening as Matt Cardona goes against Mr. 187 Homicide. And I, like I said, I, uh, before we go to the match, I'll just kind of do my stuff too, because this has nothing to really do with the matches. It's just kind of just what Cardona, this is a little soliloquy kind of on Cardona, just kind of, uh, Oh, a soliloquy, guys. Look at me using all these words. I don't even know what soliloquy is. I just sound, sounded like it fit in there. It's pretty funny, too. I'm, I'm going to talk about Cardona, and I know like we kind of had a conversation with the other podcast person about like how like they really like Cardona, too. And I, I had these notes before all that stuff. Like It's pretty funny because uh, I got to praise Cardona here. Um, first of all, I love the Homicide and the Cardona video before this match. I thought that was awesome. Like, that was good work in a showcase like all the cool things that cardona has been doing in gcw and homicide just reliving all his history and uh in his time with wrestling but i feel that cardona is auditioning for wwe each and every single match he has and with all the promos and even the styles of matches he's still wrestling wwe style matches and i think that's brilliant because he is a WWE character excelling on the indies while still doing the stuff that made him like it, that the indie people are going to hate, which is WWE. And he's still like doing the same style promos, the same style matchups. And that's not what we see in uh, independent wrestling no more. Nowadays, we usually see the independent wrestlers doing it their way and creating their own character and doing their own moves and not worrying about kind of what traditionally what was popular in the past. And I just think Cardona is doing an excellent job. Uh, I like I said, I think this is auditioning his way into WWE. And if not, I, it's brilliant again because he's doing something that not many people do. Because I'm trying to think of other like big name wrestlers from WWE specifically uh, that get released and they go try to work on the indies and it doesn't work out when they're trying to do the same shit that they were doing in WWE. It does not work out for indies, but for Cardona, it is. But I also think it's Cardona doing that while infusing his own kind of creative control, his creative freedom with this character. And that's why I think he's is going to go back here soon. But um, I don't know. I just feel like it's always an audition for WWE. The promo style, the promos, the matches. But he's also doing incredible work on the independent scene because, as we said, he won this belt now. And as you, as you said, if he loses it, which is going to – it has to happen before he goes, if he does go anywhere. Um, he's been putting over a lot of young talent for GCW mm-hmm. and other companies too. So it's not like he's like just wanting to win and like show everybody he's actually like a good wrestler. I'm WWE. It's all the wins I didn't get in WWE. Like he's putting over Jordan. He's putting over Nick. He's put over other people in other companies as well. I think he put over Starboy. Yeah, he put over Starboy. Uh, in You're GCW. seeing that trend, huh? Exactly. So like I'm loving it where he's elevated himself and still auditioning. But still helping out the other the all the companies that he's working with. He's working with like every freaking company right now, which is awesome to see. Even like I, no one ever thought he was ever going to show up at GCW <laughs> for yeah, being a former yeah. WWE wrestler. But he just stepped right in, one match, and killed it and earned it. And I just love seeing everything that he's been doing because it's it's been fun to watch and and uh, awesome to see. Well, this is one of the situations where the WWE way is not supposed to work in the indies. The indie way is not supposed to work in the WWE. And here the indie God is working in the independent wrestling scene. Okay. So he just does it right. He laid a blueprint down for anyone who leaves the WWE on how to do it properly. I hope that he shares that with others. He cares about, because I don't know if you noticed, but there's not a lot who've succeeded. 
there just there isn't that's yeah, that kind of goes go my point to yeah they go to aew or they hit the indies and a lot of what made them shine has been taken off of them when they got that last paycheck and then you're stripped down to uh well here's a good one um gosh i'm trying to find a good example but uh you know let's just say macho man randy savage uh, see, see that's a shitty one like, like i the think ultimate he would warrior. kill it you know the, the ultimate warrior he would have i think the macho uh, man could have done his warrior. same character same everything and just added yeah. his little attitude to it kind of like what cardona's done and absolutely killed it. i could see macho man doing the macho king the gimmick in gcw kind of like how or just in independent wrestling on the scene where he's i'm still the king assholes do you not remember this but still putting it over. And I think one name you were going to say, uh, I thought you said Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Yeah, that's one name. Yeah, and so, I was thinking Hulk Hogan too. Like, you put those guys on the indies, ain't shit happening there if they keep doing the same shit that made them famous. Well, I mean, Hogan would run for a while, and what would happen would be everyone would enjoy and woo. Like, they'd do everything with his gimmick because they'd just be kind of almost laughing at it. I think it'd be a nostalgia. You know I mean? It's like people- everybody, everybody would start hulking up with him and um yeah a nostalgia act but what i meant to say here i i kind of didn't maybe i didn't say it right or i haven't had a chance to say it properly uh because i'm not mr wonderful here on the words sometimes um okay so you have someone who comes into the wwe they had some decent amount of success in wcw and various other places they were paired with sting at one time who was an absolute superstar before he was a superstar so you have the ultimate warrior. And then one day he's fired and he still needs to work two months, three months, you know, after that 90 day compete goes away. Here comes boom, 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 boom. James Brian Helwig, Helwig, Helwig. You know, it's like, it's, it's just not the same. It's just not the same. When everything that made him the ultimate warrior was stripped away, what's left. That's why he fought so hard for his name and his likeness and whatnot. But yeah, some of these people come out and they don't have their name. And it's like, well, you know, the Mercedes Monet. Uh, I guess that's OK. You know, it's an OK name. And see, like, I don't even think it's like the name. Stuff. I don't like for me, it's not the name. Like, I know what I, I get what you're saying. But like Cardona succeeding as fucking Cardona, not Zack Ryder. But he's taking yeah. the Zack Ryder character and molded it into his actual vision of what he wanted probably that wrestler to be or what he thinks that wrestler needs to be right now to be successful as a wrestler. And he's doing it on the Indies and he's thinking it will get him back to the big company. I'm not saying that's what he's doing. He's not trying. I don't think he's actually trying to get back in with all these stuff. I think it's just brilliant marketing of him where he's, as you said, stripped down from Zack Ryder, but he's recreated Zack Ryder, called it Cardona, but added his own little style and flair to it and now that's why it's so popular because he's put in the work to do it like ultimate warrior i don't think he put in the work to do anything to make to like adapt himself to the independent style of wrestling and getting over where cardona absolutely did i don't know if he even went and did any independent work after Uh, i would probably at the time i'd probably say no and a lot like a lot of those things wouldn't have to but i I just envision like yeah like macho man wouldn't have to either but i think he absolutely would because he's so creative and he's willing to adapt and change to what's going to make him successful as he did all these years kind of creating all these different kind of characters while still keeping the whole macho man's kind of uh aura around him but just changing the attitudes and changing the presentation and 
like his wrestling his in-ring style and cadences on his promos i think that's where i think he would be successful where a lot of these other wrestlers that don't that's what i'm saying a lot of these wrestlers that leave the big like van dang uh what's the name fandango dango dirty dango now like he's yeah, dirty dango he thought like, everyone thought he'd be good but he's doing the same shit that he was doing as van dango <laughs> right and is it any better or is it you know it kind of goes stale quick and then okay we won't talk too far about this because i don't want to give too i don't want to give any examples but have you seen where you after the wwe machine is out from under him you could see where they're just flat and everything that they were was the gimmick that wwe created for them oh yeah that list is a lot longer than the people that found success outside of the machine oh yeah yeah, this happens with AEW now too. I'm seeing a couple people who, you know, they're just not um they're just not going where you think they would go given that they were on TV every week. Yeah, and I I kind of Angels. But I was going to go the opposite where I think he's actually killing it now because he's able to work a lot more around the country with the independent. He, he was on TV, but I think he was so covered with everything dark order style where now he's his own character i think he's actually doing better on the independent scene they did with AEW, and i'll go back to Stu grayson like i he just got re-signed back to AEW off of one performance after taking some time off where i think a lot of the AEW wrestlers uh are doing enough to where they could kind of go back to what they were doing because I just don't think they were being used enough. Not, not not even being used properly. I just don't think because of their whole roster, they weren't being used enough to kind of keep that momentum going. Because as we've seen now, there's a lot of starts for three months and then off for four months. And then you come back for three months and be part of the programming and off for four months. I, I think that a lot of those AEW wrestlers will find and have found a lot more success in WWE because there's not really, AEW is not a machine that kind of creates them. They come in and they have a lot more saying creative stuff than WWE does, where WWE is like, no, this is the way you don't have any say over it. And then they have to try to rebuild their brand on the indies and try to wash away the WWE stink creatively. Where in AEW, mm-hmm. you don't have that problem because they kind of keep the same character, the same music, the same moveset, the same look, same everything. Mm-hmm. They just have to, I think, just get more time to... Uh, showcase their talents than what they were offered the opportunity in AEW. That's why I loved about when AEW first started. Hey, we got nothing for for three months. Go do all these independent scenes and go make money, go kill it, create a buzz for us still, and then when I need you, we'll call you back. And I kind of hope they go back to that style of booking than that when they first started was like that. So, kind of an opinion for me here. I think that when it comes to developing, the only two places to really go are WWE or Japan. AEW feels like it's a stage where the producer goes, okay, you were bu- you were brought here to dance. Let's see you dance. I'll give you the spotlight. Whereas with WWE, they say, we have a script. You're plugging in right here. You're this and this person. Here's how you do it. Go out and do it this way. And I, I, <laughs> here's what I don't want to see. What I, some people may want to see it, but if AEW goes down, the independent scene is going to be flooded with wrestlers. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Also, also, let's not talk about possibly wrestlers right now who have more work than they should because half of the decent independent wrestlers were taken off the scene by AEW in the last couple of years, created a vacuum that no one wants to ever talk about 
because it's not cool to talk about that in independent wrestling. Trust me, I'm tapping into a vein here that, yeah, there was a vacuum that was created. The independent scene had a hard time recovering from someone buying up every one of their champions, every one of their, you know, the people that sold all the tickets. Yeah, I I agree. But I also think because, well, like I like the indie scene got fleeced. Yeah, but we got left on the indie scene with what was literally left. I think at the beginning, though, it was fine because he was still letting them do like the Orange Cassidy yes, was yes. able to do shit all over the world and stuff like right now. Like they're still letting, like Max. uh Max Caster, he's still able to go do beyond wrestling bookings. Um, Nick Wayne, even though he's still like not able to wrestle most of the place, they're still letting him do the independent wrestlings. They still let yep. Moxie go work at Wrestling Revolver. I still think whenever I agree with you, let's say yeah, you, they sign him all up. I think it's more hurtful now because he's not he's keeping a lot bigger uh, roster in AEW only, not letting those people go out to do it. Where before it was like, hey. Everybody was allowed to still go out and do the independence where I don't think it hurt it a lot then, but I see what you're saying. I think it would, it's probably hurting, if anything, a lot more now because of not letting a lot of these bigger names continue to do the independent work that created and helped build a lot of these independent wrestling companies. As you said, they are going to start try to find a new identity and start rebuilding Um with that, I, I like what you said too about WWE. Like, yeah, I've always like, oh, you're walking in WWE, like you are an actor. Here's what you do. We'll see if mm-hmm. here's what we're going to do for you. Where every other company just said AEW Japan, they go there. They're like, what can you do for us? And you have to be the right. creative one and create your own stuff. And I, I absolutely agree with you on that statement. I just, um, I just wonder where some of the GCW people would like to go. And I think a lot of them would love to have that paycheck, but I think a lot of them would fit much better in Japan or possibly in the NXT system where they would be able to further develop solid paycheck, you know, learn the basics all over again. Maybe there's something they need to learn again, the proper way. That's what it's there for. It would make somebody who really has hunger, a more complete individual, but also you go over to Japan and I've seen some people come out of WWE and sometimes not be any better. I've seen tons of people go to Japan and it's very, very, very rare. You will ever see someone come back to Japan worse. The only way they're worse is if they're injured. Everybody comes back a polished stone from Japan or at least more polished than they were. So, and, and, oh, oh, and I'll touch on something else that isn't talked about much. And I hope this doesn't make anyone upset, but it was talked about on someone else's podcast where we used to have these huge stars go to Japan, huge American stars, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, you know, the biggest of the big would go over there. WWE doesn't play that game. They won't play with Japan. I don't know really why that truly is. I think it's a lack of trust, but they don't play with Japan. And it could be, I mean, it could be because there's some gang stuff within like Yakuza stuff within wrestling in Japan, which is well known. So I'm not sure there, but if you're doing business with Yakuza, you're probably not doing good business in the long run. Yeah, how it is. But um, what was the point of that was that we have a lot of average people going to Japan. And now the prestige of having an American wrestler in Japan is not the same prestige as it was 30, 40, 50 years ago. And I do think that's a good point is that some of our best wrestlers aren't making it to Japan like they used to. And it's really interesting. But uh, 
I don't want to point name point fingers or name names, but it was really something interesting that was spoken of. And when you think about sometimes who's going over there, should they even be over there? I've seen some death matchers over there. Not not our death matchers, but some real can't wrestle death matchers who just blow shit up on their heads and they go over and wrestle. And I'm like, wow, that's America's best going over. And now to go over, it's just the price of a plane ticket, which isn't very expensive and a hotel. And, you know, you don't even have to know Japanese. Now you can just hold a translator in your, in your cell phone. And they do the payouts a lot different too. You got a lot of the sponsors out there that are willing to help out those companies. Like, Hey, you can't financially support it. I really want to see this wrestler. Here's the money. And boom. Yep. Uh, yeah, that was a, there's a lot of stuff too. I could actually keep on going, but, uh, mm-hmm. there's some deep shit in there. Cause trust me, there's, there would be a lot of people that I would be, that would be upset with me about that statement, but there's a lot of people that are representing Japan that back in the day, they wouldn't be able to go. Yeah. Ah, we'll have to save that for another podcast as well. Cause there's a lot of stuff there uh, to, uh, you'll never, dissect. you'll never hear one name out of me on recording as to who, but there's a ton of subpar motherfuckers that just because they got the plane ticket, they go over and they're like, boom, I'm in Japan. I'm international now. I don't mean shit. Yeah. That's all for the clout for our fourth matchup. Like I said, it is. Cardona <laughs> versus, sorry. Good. Oh, yeah, yeah, could, yeah. I could talk about that for forever too. Uh, well, you and I, you could hear where verbally both of us <laughs> was trying to go and get, get out of the tunnel that we were getting ready to get into because that's uh, yeah. I was getting into a subject there that was maybe a little more, controversial but uh i'm gonna agree with you it was a great video package hyping up this match it looked really good cardona was out first carrying three different belts um he needs to spend the year belt collecting throughout the indies i think that's what the indie god should do um it would be great especially since he is but uh the new york crowd is rough and heavily tearing into cardona even if he is from long island they could give a shit less cardona grabs the mic and says he's an indie god, of course. Said he's going after the GCW championship. He also said he's looking up to Homicide when he was in wrestling school. He was even afraid of him. Homicide is like everyone in the crowd and in the back. He's a never was. There's a bunch of bullshit from the crowd. And his win tonight will make him the king of New York City. So the bullshit was just flying out of his mouth from the beginning. You have something to say. I can already feel it. <laughs> I like how he didn't call it the GCW championship. It's the GCW Universal Championship. I love like let's just go back to the whole WWE stuff. I love how he's still mm-hmm. poking poking all the the haters out there, still getting underneath their skin by keep on referring to WWE and the big leagues instead of uh, GCW. Well, then Homicide's music hits. I love him. He's great. I have a sweet spot for like 90s and 2000s wrestlers. He's straight out of Brooklyn. First ballot Hall of Famer. The notorious 187 is ready to go to war with Cardona. Cardona opens up the match by leaving the ring. Fans chant pussy. You're pussy. He's yelling at people. I was really having a good time. We had Matt, your pussy smells. Matt keeps running out of the ring and stalling, which was pissing people off. He was gaining heat the whole time. Instead of always ready, it was always pussy. So the first lot, I think that's the most I've ever said that in less than 45 seconds. I'm going to instead of a cartwheel count here, I'm going to start. Uh, it's the pussy count. Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, have you ever seen, uh, oh, what's the name of that movie with uh, From Dust Till Dawn? You ever seen that from the 90s? Uh, Dude, wasn't that like a, a Quentin Tarantino movie. Wasn't it like no, a, no, no, no. Like... That's Kill Bill. No, but I thought there was like 
uh the that movie you just said and i thought there was like another one after that like slaughter there was another... or something like that like that was like oh that's this is different okay okay so this is different what this was was uh basically it's quentin tarantino is the main character with george clooney and they kidnap people and they have to go to mexico so they have to get smuggled through the border because one of the brothers is a convicted felon and he just busted out of prison so they get down to this place and they go to this bar and it's called the titty twister that was the name of the bar so it's obviously like you know one of those fun bars so they go there and in the front is cheech marin and you know cheech from cheech and sean he's like in three or four different parts in this movie as a different character so he's kind of having fun so anyway out in the front of this thing he's like the hype man for the bar so he goes pussy 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 and he go we got white pussy black pussy chicken pussy dog pussy. and he goes through this whole pussy pussy thing so it made me laugh because I was sitting here going pussy pussy. Yeah, I went into a long story for no reason. Yeah, I thought, I thought you were about to talk about an a awesome movie. I thought you were about to talk about a counter because I think like Quentin Tarantino had like a counter like at the bottom. I think that's a movie I'm thinking of where like every time there's a kill, there's like a counter at the bottom. You can see oh, the, the kill thing. number go up. Yeah, yeah. My one of my favorites from him was Kill Bill. I really liked The Hateful Eight. It was like a like a a Western movie. But it really didn't matter if it was Western or not. But like a whole bunch of shit went down in one cabin. And it's an awesome freaking match. Oh, anyway, we were talking about this Cardona homicide. Match. Sorry, bud. But um, the first lockup happens at about the three and a half minute mark because, of course, Cardona was stalling so much. Homicide follows Cardona to the outside and starts beating his ass. That's literally how the match started. He had to follow him. There was fighting on the stage. I wanted to mention, I like the size of that stage. More fighting on it would be kind of good because there was more than enough room up there to do shit. And also, I would have been, been a big fan of using weapons up there because there's less chance of injury. But just something fun to think about. Cardona barely got any offense in whatsoever until about the six-minute mark. There was fans chanting, uh, <laughs> Chelsea pegs you. We had uh, the you suck dick chance. Chelsea's bitch chance. This is a great crowd. I think they're very colorful, having a good time. There's a spot where Homicide did the three amigos. He even did like the shoulder thing and whatnot too for the jump off the top rope. And uh, Cardona spent a large chunk of the match basically on the outside, running away. Uh, homicide, homicide did a tope. He hits legs on the guardrail outside. It was hard for fans to move in this building, so they couldn't move out of the way. And you could actually see they hit a guy for a minute, but he was absolutely fine. He was just more than happy, I think, that he got hit. But you could tell he was kind of like, whoa. And Homicide whoa, had a check on him, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, that's always the smart thing to do. You know, it's it's just a show. So um, at some point, though, Steph DeLander shows up and argues with Homicide. Cardona hits Homicide from behind and rolls him up for the three. And that's our winner, Matt Cardona. So now Steph is now with Cardona. I'm guessing this is because Chelsea is in WWE right now, maybe. He needs a, like, a, someone. They didn't think about too. that. He was in Australia with her. That's where I was going to go with it. That's why I was like, I think he's worked with her in another company. I think I was going to say Australia. Um, yeah, I wrote even here too. I was like, interesting finish to the match because I was just totally surprised to see Steph out there, not Chelsea. Well, not surprised not to see Chelsea out there no more, but it did throw me for a loop. I'm it's like, whoa, so where, why, where did this come from? And then I was like, and then I immediately thought, I'm like, okay, yeah, he has been working with her uh, in in Australia, but I don't, I haven't seen any of those cards or matches other than just what he's kind of posted on Twitter. But yeah, he's has posted a lot more stuff with her on as uh, his sidekick, and I. 
Didn't even think about that's probably Maybe why. there's the some villain. drama. Well, that, I, that's where my originally first thought was. I was like, whoa, like, are they done? Like, something happened. I missed, like, him and Chelsea are split because I didn't see anything. And then yeah, it made more sense what you said. Like, oh, to fill in for Chelsea because she's not there no more. I yeah. didn't even think about that. And that uh, that goes was going to be my next thing. I said, I wonder if, if Steph will continue to work GCW because she has been working at a lot of different places uh, recently, like almost everywhere. Like I know she did AEW like within two times in two months and um, in pretty predominant spots on TV as well. So uh, it is nice seeing a new name I in agree. there though, but it make it kind of Matt Cardona needs the little, the heater on the side to get extra heat on top of him. And uh, yeah. I think if you're not going to have Chelsea Green, Steph is a good play. If, especially if they have chemistry working together uh, in other promotions, at least they have a familiar familiarity with each other that they know what the game plan is and uh, will execute it. And for night one of doing it, I thought that was pretty cool. It was a cool, like shocking, shocking moment to me. Like I said, I didn't expect to see uh, her there. Well, I um, I I can only speculate. I don't know what the situation is, but. It's like Chelsea Green, but with more muscles and more of a threat to uh, whoever might come near her. So, yeah, we don't know how this story ends yet. I'm honestly confused. Honestly confused. I have no idea where it's going. It's a very awkward way to introduce someone into GCW because I'm now realizing that GCW is a destination, one of the destinations for... um, for foreign talent to stop by before they go through AEW or somewhere else. I just, I've noticed that quite a bit. We had a ton of Japanese wrestlers that came through, you know, Takeshita came through, you know, Suzuki was over there for a while. He was doing AEW stuff and then doing stuff with us. So I don't know. Yeah. That's all I have to say about it. I don't know. Yeah. Like I, th- <laughs> I, th- I just think it's kind of weird. I feel weird. off tonight a little bit. So I'm like, <laughs> Well, it makes me feel like maybe Cardona is not going back yet. Like, why would you introduce a new wrinkle to this whole character? The more belts, the better. That's what I say. Yeah, and, and if you introduce a new character here. It was like, why would you do this with if like in two weeks they're not going to be here no more? So it makes me kind of do think that maybe uh, Cardona will be around for a little bit, and we can kind of see what happens with this uh, uh, Steph angle with Cardona. Follow the bookings. That's the only thing you can do. If you see he's got a booking in late May, guess what? We're going to be able to see him up until late May. So pay pay uh, pay as much attention to him as you can because I do feel he is going back at some point. I think it's only a matter of time. He deserves a nice WrestleMania moment. I really hope the WWE gives it to him. I'll 100% watch and support him as he goes through the system. I, I want to see him back too. I... Uh... Like I, I don't want to say, but actually, I'd really like to see him just stay here with GCW and do his any stuff because I think he's killing it. I don't want any any sort of watered down version of Cardona in the big company. But he already has his WrestleMania moment. He won the inter- IC title in that ladder match. That was his. Ice, that was his he moment. He barely had it. He barely yeah, he had, had it that. for one night at least, and then he lost it. One night, night. <laughs> exactly. That's see what I mean. Like yeah. that was just to make the fans happy, kind of win. But he needs one because he's good and legit and because wwe wants him to win like i want that yeah like you know i don't want him to give him the belt because it's like sammy Zayn. i i want him to see i want to see sammy do something good but i feel really weird when wwe just goes ah let's just give it to him and then the next night lost like why yeah i know he still talks about that as probably like his greatest moment in wrestling is winning the ic title at wrestlemania but i understand what you're saying you want you want a 
a WrestleMania moment based off of like credibility. Like it was deserved, not just handed to him. Absolutely. Yeah, I get that. I I understand that part as well. Yeah. So I I think with what he's doing out there right now, he does it for another five, 10 years. He's, he's already close to, but he's pretty much undeniable as a performer and just as a professional in independent wrestling. Yes. I, like I said, I Cardone has really grown on me these last, uh, this whole GCW run, I, I, I've been loving everything he's doing, and it just seems to be getting better and better, in my opinion. Well, then you also have Homicide, too. You know, know he's yeah, getting his absolutely. cheers from everyone when he's leaving the ring. He's in the respect phase of his career, you know, just seeing him special. So I don't want to throw him out there either because, yeah, if there's anything rarer than Matt Cardona right now, it would definitely be Homicide. Hard to see him, B-Boy, like those guys, the old schoolers. Yeah, Homicide's up there too for me. Like, I, I know I kind of feel bad. I didn't even realize that time she said, like, this whole match, it's all been Cardona, Cardona, nothing Homicide. And I yeah, like, really, yeah. really love Homicide. I've, I think I've done a match just complete opposite where I just cheered on uh, all Homicide. Yeah, all Homicide and left out. I think it was like the Cole Radic one now that I'm thinking about it. Like, he I didn't make any mention to Cole Radic. I was just talking about how cool it was seeing Homicide wrestling in this kind of match. For our fifth matchup of the evening, it is a tag team match, but it is no longer for the GCW tag team titles as Los Macisos, who did previously lose it to the Motor City Machine Guns, go against the team of Rena and Sawyer. And I liked this match, but I really wish it was not in New York. I wish it was an AC specifically ac because i know all four, the glass yeah all four would the get glass, super yeah. over and i i want to see these four in ultra violent as we kind of talked about with uh uh sawyer wreck the last podcast and just those mestizos i want to see them kind of go on a totally good just death match run um that was the only thing that kind of took away from this match for me is like oh and like the los mestizos losing the tag the tag titles that took a a lot of momentum out of this match, and uh, I was kind of worried how this match would turn out, just because in New York City, and as we kind of talked about with Sawyer Wreck the night before, we I I personally would like to see her not do any more traditional wrestling, just kind of stick to the for the moment death match until she kind of uh, cleans up some of this stuff for uh, traditional wrestling. But her and Rena going against Los Macisos, I was all for this. Just not in New York, and it was still fun. They still did find other ways to get uh, doors and chairs and stuff like that. But I think it was just missing that one little bit of ultra violence to kind of put this a match. baseball yeah. bat, <laughs> yeah, no. a machete. <laughs> Where's the fans bring the weapons here? Where's this match at? <laughs> Toronto, <laughs> but, it's in Toronto, dude. Was it Montreal, Toronto? Oh shit. Montreal. Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's all right. But oh, this was a good match. It just, I think it could have been pushed to the next level with a different location and some fuckery added to it. But other than that, I thought it was fun. And once again, nice seeing Arena get to go in there with uh, Los Macisos as well. So um, this match has some things I swore we saw before, even just a day or two ago. So Los Macisos start the match by getting on each other's shoulders. I, I know exactly where we've seen this before. So Rena and Ciclope battle on top of their respective tag partner's shoulders. Rena grabs chairs and has a chair duel with Ciclope at one point. Rena ends up eating a chair in the face when uh, Ciclope kicked it into her. 
Uh, still some weapons usage, but way less than a death match overall. Uh, Los Macisos were dominant for the first four minutes of this match. A door comes out at around that four-minute spot. There's a door bridge uh, built by Los Macisos. The bridge accidentally falls. That's okay. They fix it later. It's a nice little spot where there was a crossbody by Rena to the outside, followed by a top rope cannonball onto Los Macisos. Rena and Sawyer take over at minute six. Sawyer's uh, actually bit Miedo's tongue. You saw that, right? Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty funny to see because uh, the visual, because they, they did, I'm so glad they got the side visual too because I was very scared because at first... Yeah, where he sticks just, his tongue out. Yeah, I thought it was just going to be the back version at first so you couldn't really see it, but I'm glad they switched the pan the camera over and you could actually see like the <laughs> lip like about two inches out of his mouth and Sawyer's teeth all up on it. Oh, uh, dude. And... Uh, I would say though you're you're right there wasn't wrestling really there was a lot of strikes in this match there was a nice uh, nasty clothesline by Onrina at one point there were chairs and doors still coming in the ring by minute eight the original door bridge is still standing a second door bridge was built just right beside it but they're not touching so this leads us into a huge spot so I'm going to go ahead and try to go over this as much as possible so Ciclope was in the, in the corner on the top rope. Rena will go over to the second rope, and Miedo hits her from behind. So now we have three people in the corner. So Miedo will grab a chair, he'll prop it up underneath them, and he puts Rena on his shoulders while he's standing on the chair. So at this point, she's almost the same height as Ciclope. Ciclope stands up onto the top uh, belt, basically. It basically was going to be like a super doomsday destroyer when all was said and done. Sawyer Wreck ends up getting underneath all of them, but turned towards the ring so she wouldn't fall with them. So basically, instead of falling backwards, she'd be slamming them down to the ground. The double door bridge is below them. Sawyer throws all three competitors and they crash through the double door bridge. They fell basically like a tower. There was a huge pop from the crowd. We had holy shit chance, GCW chance. I just... That was probably that was the uh, that was the highlight of this match, and it was probably one of the, it was one of the biggest ones of the night. And that is the Sawyer wreck. I am down to see just fun, cool spots that showcase her strengths, and that was a cool looking spot, as you said, that shows her uh, overpowering three different people to power bomb someone into a superplex off power the top. bomb um, that's yeah. what it was it, it was uh that was a fun i just said that was a fun spot but that that was the spot i was watching i'm like that's what you need to keep doing sawyer that's what i want to see is like just even those quick little spots the, and the chokeslammer joey when he's on the top rope chokeslamming joey through a door and ac like i those are the moments that's going to stick out for me with sawyer wreck not her doing a cool looking tarantula move to on blue fist or whatever like i want to see the striking I like and, tarantulas no i like tarantulas too you picked the wrong move I motherfucker. I, as i was saying i picked the absolute fucking <laughs> wrong move i saw you i saw your eyes light up there but my <laughs> point on my move <laughs> my point still stands there we want to see sawyer do this stuff not uh not trying to do some stuff that she's not known for and this was exactly what i was trying to say last podcast good good points though overall and i agree with you 100 percent on that too um there was a spot here where ref was uh kicked by sawyer at minute 11 los macisos set up and hit the doomsday destroyer on sawyer rena broke up the pin with a top rope dive obviously after the ref just got up i don't 
nobody nobody picked up that the ref just got back off the ground a little bit ago so i i should have maybe mentioned that a little bit but uh another another nice spot where rena hits a splash mountain the pace picks up rena piles anything she can find into the middle of the ring sawyer hits miedo with an air raid crash onto that pile of chairs for the win so our winner here ended up being rena yamashita and sawyer wreck this is a hard night of talking for me, my friend. Actually, there's never a good night of talking for me. I think I'm just naturally fucking terrible at talking. And I've been fortunate it's not any worse than it is. <laughs> good thing we're not doing a, anything that involves you talking a lot. No, no, no. Oh, geez. Yeah, right? Well, <laughs> uh, once again, we see Los Macisos on a third straight loss here. And... I'm, oh, I'm still yeah. I'm still for it. I still don't mind it. I think this kind of helped Sawyer wash off some of the stuff that happened the night before. Rena, I think this is just another notch on her belt here. She's been killing it. Like, uh, I like how she has quickly adapted herself to GCW, like how Los Macisos did when I first saw them. Like, Rena has, from the moment she stepped in GCW ring, felt like she belonged in. She has only improved each and every time we've seen her. And like now we get to see this different, like I said before, the darker side arena with the darker hair, acting more heelish, acting more badass and not the fun loving. Hey, you guys really love me. I'm so glad. Like, I like that. It was good at that time. But now, like, this is the badass arena and I'm enjoying everything that she's been doing as well. And like I said, Sawyer Rec, this was a big, a big win for her and put her into a more comfortable situation is what I think of in this match. And that's why I think we enjoy this match a little bit better than the previous night. Well, I was noticing that Veda was alluding that we may see a more of this tag team between Rena and Sawyer, but I do think it's kind of an awkward pair. I I'm going to have to kind of watch them for a while to see the cohesion. I'm thinking it's just like a throw together team because they're both death matchers, but I'm not against it overall. Oh, I'm kind of, I don't know. What do you think about the idea of them two together? I think it makes sense as well, but um, I would kind of want to see them. I want to watch them to watch the turn. I wouldn't want to watch like Sawyer turn on Rena, and I think that will help Sawyer get super. Well, either way, if anyone turns, I think it will help out both competitors. But in my opinion, I still want to see like Sawyer Wreck kind of be the heel in this situation. I think she works better as a... Um, as a heel and Rena works better as a face, but I could see them tag teaming for a little bit and then just like in this one, you know, Sawyer did the kind of the final move, but Rena, I could see like kind of taking over and taking leadership and Sawyer getting mad that Rena's capitalizing off of the hard work that Sawyer did and she's sick of it and then turns on Rena and like that would set up a fun ultra violent championship Ooh, match a with a heel Sawyer, badass, and a now kind of uh sympathy character in rena to get the crowd even more behind her yeah, for your heel rena face that's what i'm thinking nice. of. but yeah, you can yeah, flip yeah. it too like rena rena with this new characters being the badass and Sawyer rex is going to still get cheers anyway but i think rena would still get cheers i don't know that'd be a tough one i think it'd be a tough like if rena tried turning i still think she'd just get as many cheers as sawyer wreck would and i don't think it would come out the whole angle wouldn't come out looking as good as in my opinion if uh as it would if Sawyer was the one that turned heel instead of Rena. Good point. Good point. But I wouldn't mind seeing them 
in as if they tag match attack continue as a tag team i want to see matches like this i don't need to see them going against east west express or like motor super no but i'm always no, kind of scared that that like you know brett he likes throwing those mismatch every once in a while <laughs> and i love seeing that as well but that's one situation i don't think i want to see well, that's why I'm saying I don't see any cohesion here whatsoever. I'm going to have to see more. They're going to have to work on their team. I mean, if they put them together, it could be because they work uh, they work together as friends. I don't know. So, you know, I'm open-minded. But for me, Sawyer Wreck at this point is like she needs to deathmatch or, you know. I'm right there. I mean, I'm the same way. <laughs> I, 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 You know what I mean? I'm just saying that's where she's at because – how long is the way she looks going to be the way she sticks out? You know what I mean? That's kind of part of it. Oh, she's so tall or this or that. And I get that. But uh, yeah, she's, she's deathmatch, and that's about it. And that's perfectly fine for her. She has the look, she has the toughness and she doesn't need a storyline. She's never had a storyline that I know of at all. Yeah. I can't no, think of one. Yeah. I'm trying to think of one. She hasn't really, had a, yeah, no, other than this, like no. the cool match with Joey that kind of helped her get over, but that was not a storyline. It was just a cool moment that I think propelled her to where she is right now. I don't know. I don't know. We, we talked about that one though. She's kind of on shaky ground. Hopefully, she really finds herself in the deathmatch scene. For me, I just feel like with the fans, part of what made her shiny and new is worn off. And now she's, we're down to the meat of who she really is. I think who she really is is a deathmatcher. So that's how it is. When it comes to Rena, I really would have liked to have seen her in a, I would have liked to have seen her with Cologne. I feel like they have something together. Maybe it's because that's where we first kind of saw the whole. I think so too. Her and Cologne have this vibe of, I don't know. Seeing her and Drew Parker in Japan though was pretty, that one, like that one felt like it was meant to be like those two are the ultimate tag partners, but if that's not Drew, I think Alex Cologne too absolutely fits in perfectly. I've mentioned Cologne the last two shows. I miss Cologne. Yeah, I'm no actually lie. watching. No I just watched a little bit last night of uh, their show in Atlanta. I think it was like Hope to Die. Or, uh, I think it was GCW's Hope to Die where it was him against uh, Roger Freeman and just watching Alex Cologne and that deathmatch yep. stuff. I was like, man, I we really do miss him. I, I really do miss him, but I think we kind of not took him for granted, but... I do think they did miss an opportunity of having him challenge or even win the GCW world title because he kind of carried the deathmatch scene for a long time for GCW and to not get that touch. So even though he was supposed to on like two different occasions to actually not get it uh, kind of does bum me out a little bit. This is where we could have used that middle of the road title. The one that Speedball could have had, Deppin could have had. He could have had that belt. We could have given that belt to Bandito. It could have went to Ninja Mac. It could have went to Commander. It could like that belt. We need one belt outside of the heavyweight. Pull the ultra violent or the extreme. They step on each other in my head anyway. And I, I do the reporting on these shows a lot. I would like to see something like a carrot dangled to all those fantastic talents that aren't getting a shot at the world championship because we have so many. We're so thick in the middle of the roster is a good way to put it. We're just, we're loaded with talent in the middle. It's like, if we had Eddie Guerrero over here right now, he'd rarely, he, well, he's a little bit of a, well, not really. Where would he go for a title? He'd get a shot, maybe two at the, at the, at the world. And then that's it. He'd just be sitting in this middle mediocrity with Deppin and all these other guys who I feel should be fighting for at least something. I think I, I hate to talk about this a lot, but I really do feel strongly 
Dude, there needs to be something for all those guys because there's such shining, wonderful talent in that area. I think what hurt Cologne was that they went on with that whole 4-4-0 versus Nick Gage storyline for at least a year. I think that kind of caused him not to be able not to become world champion. And then once Cardona won it, that you're not going to put him without Sloan. Like I just hate to say it, like uh, that's a that's a it's tough matchup happen. to happen. But then when Moxley won it, I thought that he, I thought Alex Clown definitely should have been the one to take it off Moxley that earned it and has, and he was obviously still at the top of his game at that point. I just think a lot of the timing and circumstances kind of hurt Cologne more than anything other than just like them not getting on the title shot. I just think just like, unfortunately that storyline went a whole year that kind of blocked him for a year, but then Moxley and Cardona and Nick Gage, Nick Gage had a storyline for a long ass time and that hurt him as well. I, I really think now though, that um, the world title scene, as we will see here at the end is more wide open than ever before in GCW. And I'm really excited to see where that goes just because of the possibilities of what could happen. And I think like Nick Gage was even going there. I mean, we saw Leo and Speedball and um, who was the other one that just challenged right before. Um, Oh my God. It's who are you thinking? Who no, you I'm thinking? trying. Try- There's a lot of challengers. Deppin. No, who, who did Gage? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There it is. Uh, Tony Deppin. He did challenge him on this yeah. one. So I think and, Nick uh, Gage. Blake was- Christian challenged him. Blake went, against uh, Nick, Blake went against Nick Gage? Yeah. For the title? Yeah, I, I could be. Yeah, I, uh, well, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe I'm wrong here. I'm, I'm not saying, I don't think yeah. Blake ever, I think Blake's big, only opportunity was against John Moxley. I don't think uh, he ever did go against Gage. Yeah. I could yeah, be wrong. I'm wrong here. But I just, I just think now that's where the title scene is always fun when there is now not, not a storyline that's like just hovering over that belt that blocks out a lot of other people. I, I really like how they could run a storyline now where it's a lot of different challengers could be going after the belt. Like as Nick Gage has proven with uh, all these different opponents he has wrestled against lately. Dude. Now I'm like over here going, okay, did these guys actually fight each other? If I have to put money on it, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think they ever did either. I think I just pulled that out of my ass. my friend. (laughs) But But that's one name we were saying. But if yeah, he ever yeah. did get this full heel turn like he is now, I we wouldn't be surprised seeing Nick Gage defending that belt against Blake Christian because Blake Christian Same has thing. elevated himself. Yep. There should be something he should be able to chase. Absolutely. Well, luckily, I think there is now with the JCW title, but I just don't think at the moment I want to see that happen. I still... Unless Jordan win, Jordan and Nick win the tag team and then they kind of have a nice little run with that, then I wouldn't mind Jordan losing the JCW title. But if they're not going to win the tag title, I want to see Jordan at least keep that title and have a crazy run with it to kind of elevate the title while also showcasing, as you said, all these different other competitors. If you're stylistically similar, you could have a title shot as well. Yeah, I have high hopes that the JCW title may be that title that I'm talking about that we need. I think somebody so. thinks something for speedball, something for Deppin, something for Gringo Loco. All of those people that come in that put on fantastic shows that deserve something special. That's that's about the best way to put it. They deserve the accolade. Yeah, I I, I think know. that will turn into it, hopefully, as we said. For the sixth matchup of the evening, it is a four-way tag match as 
Team Bussy goes against the main event. So glad to see them back again. Uh, the second gear crew, one called Manders and Mance Warner, and Wasted Youth, Dylan McKay and Marcus Mathers. And what a crazy group of tag teams they put together for this match again. Um, I just expected a lot of chaos just with these four teams as they are just completely different. So you got high flyers, you got brawlers, you got fun and entertainment with the main event, and you got Team Bussy that's down for anything and will do anything <laughs> during this match. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, during the match, too. <laughs> yeah, this Bussy's was... fucking down. That's all I know. <laughs> this was a fun match. Like I said, it was crazy different components, and I enjoyed it, and... They think they all uh, did a great job of getting their stuff in and having an entertaining match, even though there's no story with it. It was uh, the crowd was into it as far as I could tell from uh, the chance that they were going on. I pretty much heard a chant for every team, I think, except Wasted Youth. Sorry, Dylan McCain, Mountain Madness. But you guys, they had some crazy uh, high flying moves as well. Oh, yeah, 100%. So here's what we got, everybody we have eight people, lots of moves. I'm going to be somewhat general in my review. Don't kill me here. So the match started before the intros because Wasted Youth decided they were going to start off hot because that's what they wanted to fucking do. Also, they were probably the youngest in the match. So chances are they just wanted to get the shit over with. But the main event started out strong. Wasted Youth was really shining. There was a lot of tag moves going down between both teams. There were bussy chants. They come in and completely clean the ring of all the teams. By the fourth minute, every team has been featured at least one time. Wasted Youth and the main event were in the corner in one spot, and Manders uses Mance as a battering ram. That was just, I just had to mention it because I don't think I've ever seen that where Mance was actually used as a fucking battering ram. Bussy starts to take over at one point. They're uh, tearing through each team individually. The main event eventually get in the ring and they both start heating up. They had an awesome amount of teamwork. Main event always do. Uh, the awesome youth deliver a ton of tag moves on most of the wrestlers in the match. Way too many to count. Effie grabs Mathers. You hear Effie chants. Allie puts Mathers on her shoulders, and Effie hits the avalanche stack rider on Mathers for the win. So our winners in this one was Bussy. And again, my words did absolutely no justice as to how decent the match was. Just go back and watch it for yourself. It's just a play-by-play would have been too much. Yeah, there was a lot there. Uh, one of my favorite spots of the match was when uh, Ali Catch and, F- and Effie had uh, wasted youth and main event in the corners and they had went in like they both did the high the the yakuza kicks in the corner and then it mm-hmm. turned into a cannonball and then Ali Catch went all all four competitors around the ring with different uh, hip attacks and stuff and I thought that was a pretty fun Effie just ride or die with with Ali or anybody who was partner he's just out there just w- willing to do whatever to protect them but also just cheering them on like he's like a big old cheerleader in the ring for Ali Catch and it's good to see because uh, they're the, those two together their chemistry that they have is uh, always awesome to see. You know, that's a weird one. We'll have to talk about it sometime. I always notice Allie does Effie stuff. I don't know a damn thing Effie does to Allie stuff. Yeah. This is something we will talk uh, about. Maybe the I think attack, but this goes, this, no, yeah, well, maybe. But, yeah, um, well, we can kind of get into it a little bit. But basically what it is is just I think Allie tags along with Effie. Um, even in the match last show, I was talking about how she was doing the whole the whole kiss me, you know, you want me thing like yeah. this with someone's, you know, their their psyche. I can't name a damn thing that Effie does that 
Allie does off the top of my head. I'm, I'm sure there may be. And I think you're right. They do have a good chemistry together. But like we were saying a couple months ago, we, we do want to see her break out on her own. And she was definitely doing that. And I wanted to see her continue to do that because she really is getting a good um, character underneath herself. And I, I don't want to see her lose any of that. Yeah, I I do want to see, like I said, I want the the tough alley with the knife and same thing with the Sawyer wreck. I want the tough attitudes that got them famous in the first place. But in this match, everybody hit their spots. I really liked how yes. they all kind of hit their own spots with their own little uh, fun ways. And um, I, yeah, oh, never mind. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. Um, we haven't seen Matt Justice in a while. Do you know anything going on there? Is he injured or you know anything? I don't know anything. I have like a suspicion, but that's pretty much I'm just speculating. I don't really have anything like a concrete and evidence well, of why he hasn't. Okay. So do you have anything to go on for speculating or you're just saying to hell with it? I kind of think it's this. Uh, talk, other, other promotions. Let's talk about it. Other, oh, you think he might be doing a couple things outside of GCW? Yeah. 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 Okay. So be it. <laughs> Um, no, I just, I wondered because I'm out of the loop on that because like I said, with GCW, if I don't see him there, I don't know any better. Sometimes I'm, I haven't been watching as many other promotions lately cause I've just been squeezed with time. But, um, the other thing I was going to say was we need to see a more updated version of the awesome youth versus East West express. You got Dylan McKay at 23 Mathers at 20 Wayne, 17 Oliver's 23. I think that would be a great highlight match to show 20 years down the road to these guys did you, you know mean, did you mean wasted youth or awesome you said awesome youth oh oh my gosh okay awesome I, didn't know if, I even wrote down awesome youth i didn't know if there was another team out there that i didn't know about that's why i didn't want to say anything or question no 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 like, no oh is there like another team out there like the awesome yeah i'm just youth? making up okay. shit was awesome youth a different night i don't oh, remember geez. maybe awesome i'm youth ever. i wonder how i'm yeah, it's probably the third thing of the night that I pulled out of my ass. Well, while you're Thank looking you. that up, I'll I'll kind of piggyback off that because I did have something real fast to say. Is one thing yeah. I noticed during this match is I still you can tell the wasted youth are still out of those four teams is the one that still need a little bit more chemistry mm-hmm. build on their chemistry build on the timing and stuff. It still kind of looks a little out of whack and like the, the one spot I just remember is like they both did like the top ropes, uh, the drop kick and one jumped like a good two seconds later and landed it was it just i love their move sets i love their creativity i just mm-hmm, think uh, mm-hmm. they need to kind of keep on working together as a tag team and that just and, and not even knocking them and this is where i was going with it i not knocking wasted youth with that i just think that's what's so amazing and so makes east west express specials they teamed up one time and Boom, it just clicked for them, and they were in sync. They were all doing the same moves at the same time. And like their fluidity, like their timing on everything that Nick and Jordan does when their team is like at the exact same time. And that's something that you don't get unless you've teamed up together to build that chemistry. And I, I just think that, in my opinion... They're also lucky. They're yeah. They're also lucky, man. That's real hard to come up with something. I think like they ruined that. it for me. rock and roll express shit. That's like, what I'm really saying. Is. I think they ruined Wasted... Like, that ruined Wasted Youth for me, but, like, put my expectations for Wasted Youth way higher because I saw how fast Jordan and Nick does, uh, clicked and connected, and I just don't understand why... Not that saying Wasted Youth isn't all the time uh, on the same page, but I, I could tell when I watch them that there's just a little lacking of the chemistry, but I just think you said they Jordan and Nick got so lucky and timing, and they're both, 
I think are so incredibly good. I think it's just a uh, perfect combination at the right time. Yeah, they're, uh, they have a little ways to go, but I'm really looking forward to uh, both of them teaming up. I was looking at Dylan McKay and I'm like, I'm looking at his hairline and I'm like, dude's like 32, 33, right? Now this is coming for me. My hairline is like, I don't, yeah, there's some hair there somewhere, but listen, I was looking at that because I was losing my hair when I was young and I actually thought he was older than 23. I'm not going to lie. I'm just telling you the truth. I really did. And I'm like, oh no. So, um, I just, I guess I just wanted to mention it, man. I feel like an asshole now, but I'm kind of not. I'm just telling you what I'm thinking because like when you lose your hair early, you look at other people and you see, and you're like, oh man, enjoy your hair. Cause you're going to lose your hair early. And that's just how it is. I made a joke about one of my friends. He was like 32 and his hair was pretty much almost all God. We were always fucking with him and fucking 10 years later. No shit. I was starting to lose my shit. And I'm like, oh, my friend calls me up. He's like, heard you're losing your hair bro it's like you want to borrow some of my hats i'm like fuck you i had a high school friend it was like 19 like as soon as they graduated high school boom that hairline was gone and it was like whoa like i i was shocked like, yeah. like, i yeah. always he was a baseball player too and like we always obviously wear baseball hats and like i never really noticed how <laughs> i think he shaved his head after high school or something like that and that's yeah. why i noticed yeah. like the hairline it's like whoa that's pretty crazy at that young of age my joke is now like i always tell my wife i'm like hey if uh you start to see like some messed up hairline just tell me i'll shave it all off we'll go mr anderson style i'd rather look like mr anderson <laughs> than Hulk Hogan. there you go hey you know what though get the yeah i'm gonna end up with the horseshoe at this point i'm gonna live like a monk i'm gonna have that holy shit going on right there um the holy shit yeah uh, so, yeah, I just I think it would be a good tag team at some point, and um, I'm sure they may have been close to meeting up before. They, I must say, they just have recently, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we need to see a better, you know, we need to see another run back. I think again because if those four were all firing on all their cylinders, it would just be a dynamite matchup, even at their young ages. <laughs> okay, that's funny. They literally fought in the next show we're watching. <laughs> Oh, well, see, oh, you this is why it. I don't you watch ahead. Yeah, no, exactly. No, I never watch ahead because it would taint my it would taint my review on this show. I swear so to I God. Stay behind. I, I rely on Twitter to give me highlights of what goes on in most of these matches when they're going on live because I keep myself like people don't understand what kind of shit I go through for this. <laughs> and they wrestle on New Year's Eve too. They wrestle on New Year's Eve, but like it was funny, you said that I'm like Wow. I thought they just wrestled. Like, didn't I just see them wrestle? <laughs> and I forgot it was on the Toronto show, too. Like, I looked it up on Cage Match real fast, and first thing up, uh, East West Express versus uh, Wasted Youth. Oh, I'm like, shit. oh, shit, I didn't know it was that soon. And then I was thinking, like, didn't I see AC? And as I was thinking, it, I see, like, a couple matches down. They didn't go against each other New Year's Eve. So uh, <laughs> I, I do like to see them kind of, like, would start. I think I did say that on the New Year's Eve show. I thought it would be kind of cool if they did start a little rivalry, um, kind of going after each other as two young Young tag teams are, are chasing after the same thing. And I think I even said Willie or Willie, the wasted youth should kind of be fighting for it. They're like, hey, we've been a tag team longer than you two. Why are you guys getting all the credit and the shine and the spotlight? And we're not. We've been busting mm-hmm. us longer. I'm pretty sure I said all that stuff. If not, I'm saying it now. I think that would be a good way to kind of start that feud off and um, have wasted youth kind of be working as heels going against. Uh, the East West Express there, or you could flip it around and have them East West Express be in the cocky tag team and have the wasted youth be like, Hey, you guys are not appreciative of the opportunities you're getting. Let us hop in there. Uh, hmm. Yeah. I do like those two tag teams. that kind of go at it as well. 
For our next matchup of the evening, it is a singles belt as Bandito goes against Gringo Loco. And it's been uh, been a few months since we've seen Bandito in a GCW ring. Actually, I don't think I've seen Bandito since his match with uh, Brian Danielson on AEW Dynamite. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, I think that's the last time I saw him. He absolutely, once again, killed it uh, at that match as well. But this match I thought had... Match of the night had Show Stealer all over it because how can you not with two incredible uh, lucha wrestlers in Gringo and Bandito? And I was so looking forward to this match, and it absolutely delivered so many creative spots that showed off uh, Bandito's strength as well as Gringo Loco's strength. And Gringo actually showed a lot more uh, agility than I thought in this match. Not that I thought like I seen him do it, but I wasn't expecting him to kind of hold it not hold his own but keep up with bandito's uh, high flying abilities and i loved this match it was awesome another reason why we always say uh always praise gringo loco uh say that he wants he should be a title holder and as we were kind of just talking about it yeah, best, he yeah. did win a title earlier tonight in warrior wrestling and he's like someone said you should start the belt collector gimmick for gringo yeah. and he wrote number three so i guess he's uh has two other titles either currently or had it and we just never well, he wrote he wrote to me to you who do you write to? Oh, it's just online. Oh, okay. Uh, so, I, so I ran say, a fan. Uh, no, another another fan uh, said like, "Hey, you should start the belt." Uh, another fan said, "Start a belt collector gimmick." And oh, okay. Ringo okay. just re- responded with the number three. Nice. All right. So uh, the one thing I was noticing, he always is, but for some reason it stuck out. Bandito was in tremendous shape tonight. Good for him. I I couldn't do it. Gringo uh, bust out Bandito's finger guns on him. Total disrespect. Gringo was healed tonight. There was a nice volley of moves with near misses and they end with finger guns on each other, which is kind of like the, the standoff you see Ninja Mac do where they all flip. And But uh, Bandito also refused the handshake, which was either a smart face move that he knows that he can't trust the heel or I don't know what. So I was kind of in the air on that one, but it seemed like Gringo was holding that uh, holding that heel position pretty good. Gringo, Veda did mention, though, that Gringo was holding the small of his back quite a bit. He did play up that there was a touch of an injury during that match. Gringo tried ripping at Bandito's mask, which I really don't like and never will like. It's like the kid in me, I think. I don't fuck up the illusion is what I kind of think sometimes. Like, if I actually saw Psycho Clown without his mask on, I don't don't ruin the illusion, man. You know? Every now and then, I'm still one of those people. Like, there's gonna be a monster under the bed. There's got to be a monster under my bed. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm childish. And I, I guess I think that spot's been way overused lately. Over these last like few months, I've seen so many wrestlers wrestling against wrestlers with masks, and they're always trying to unmask them. I just think it's kind of not over. Uh, yeah, there's right. a time and point for it, but like it seems like every promotion I'm watching, there's someone trying to take a luchador's mask off. It's like, can we not? Can we figure out something else to do to get heel heat other than just the most obvious and simplest way that's being done so much nowadays? Do you want to hate a man to a point to where if you want to do something, you really want to mean it and it takes time? Unlace his boots. That's it. Work his boots. If you want to do anything, that's stupid. But no, it's... I thought you were serious. I was like, wait, what? No, 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 no. Yeah, work his shoelaces. Work his bootlaces. 
Ninja Mac time. is the best at that, especially when he's crawling out of yes. out of the ring and and well, that's like, where I kind of linked oh, okay. it from. Was yeah, I was like, yeah, no, I love like, when yeah, he's I on the outside. I didn't deliver that joke. Fuck it though. So what Ninja Mac usually does when he's out there listening, like uh, I've seen it many times, and actually he did it right to me one time, and I had to like move my feet away. He at the end of a match he loses, or if he's like on the outside trying to sell for a scramble, he will crawl around and untie people's shoelaces at, right in front of them as he's crawling right by their feet, which is always fun to watch. But like, it's funny watching people not even notice, and then when they mm-hmm. look down like two minutes later, they're like, "What? My shoes untied?" Yeah, he uh, he has a couple heel things he does. It's kind of funny, but he's still a face. Uh, both men fight momentarily on the outside at times, but this match really wasn't an outside fighting focused kind of match. So it really wasn't a priority to be out there. Also with the venue, you know, like we spoke about earlier, it's not going to be a priority to go to the outside. So their only outside spot that there was bandito hit a fireman's carry on gringo into the crowd i thought that was a fantastic little spot another spot was uh where bandito hit the eddie guerrero shoulders into a huge frog splash i'm always a sucker for that move that was our generation's badass gringo jumps halfway across the ring delivers a top rope cutter that had tremendous impact it was just Anytime Gringo hits belly or body down on something like the ring has a big bounce to it. I don't know how it is. Dude must be built like a rock. I don't I don't even know. But, um, you know, Gringo's over there. He yells to the crowd. I'm going to kill this motherfucker. We had this is awesome chance by the crowd. Gringo Loco dueling with Bandito chance. The fans really didn't care who wins. They just wanted to see the match continue. I was right there with them the whole time. Another spot where Gringo top rope inverted angle slam onto Bandito. And then moments later, Bandito hits a poison Rana back and forth fight this whole time. Neither man was really giving up or letting up on the other one. Lucha, Lucha, Lucha chance. Fans love this match. I love this match. The last spot I'll mention here is closed into the finish. This is Gringo. He counters a Bandito suplex into a quick roll-up for three. It was a very quick and almost like unexpected finish. So yeah, our winner here in this match was Gringo Loco. It was almost 13 minutes, and it felt like it was shorter than that. I don't know why I was really invested in it and I was just enjoying myself. And when you get sunken into something, sometimes time kind of warps on you. That's what happened here. Yeah, I love this match. And that inverted uh, angle slam was the highlight of this match for me. Like I, when he did, I'm like, holy shit. He actually like, mm-hmm. like not just I was thinking like when he had him in that weird position, I was like, is he going to try that? Like, I didn't I didn't have the name as you just called. That's that's a way better name. But I was like, is he really going to slam him on the ground? And sure as shit, he hit that angle slam. I was like, I popped on that spot. Um, and I love that call. You said Gringo looks like it kind of reminds you of Eddie Guerrero. He does have the same build and they still have the same flashy Lucha and stuff like that. But as we saw with Eddie Guerrero, he adapted his moveset as the bigger he got. And I, I could see right. Bandito doing that a lot more too. I remember watching him in ring of honor. Uh, and he was like just a super major high flyer. And, but as he got bigger, you see him start incorporating a lot of these muscle spots or the stalling suplex spot is what I think he's really famous for now as well. And um, I enjoy watching bandito. Cause I, I have a similar feeling like he does kind of remind me of uh, uh, Eddie Guerrero when he is wrestling. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he has the size, he has the speed. I really like the look, like everything about Bandito's Bandito screams that he's just going to be successful. It's just a matter of when and where, 
and that's just really how I feel about him. Um, after this win, though, Gringo Local looks stunned that he took the win. Bandito also looks stunned that he lost on this one. He's like, it was only three. Was a... But um, this was a huge win for Gringo. I hope this is a sign of good things to come in GCW for Gringo. And I'm with you. It was wonderful seeing Bandito again. A, we couldn't see him again soon enough. And of course, because they put in all that work, money was showering in from everywhere. I noticed Emil and the referee were picking it all up. I think they stuffed it in Emil's thong and they ran off together giggling. So I don't know what really happened there. But if uh, Loco and Bandito didn't get their money, I saw what happened. So contact me if you need to, bro. <laughs> I, I totally missed that spot. I did see a lot of money coming in, but I didn't see like the referee. I, no, I didn't see it on this one. No, no, no. It was it was more of a joke. Uh, Emil oh. and the ref were in there just picking up the money. Oh, okay. But in my convoluted, crazy head somewhere, <laughs> I I pictured them taking the money cartoon style and running off with it. So. Well, no, I see them like actually yeah, give the money to like the announcer or like the announcer. Like I seen Emil always pick it up and give it to the referee because then like yeah, go back yeah. there and like divvy it up and stuff like that. Um. I enjoyed this. This is another match I really wouldn't mind seeing, and like even at the World of Lucha. But I know Gringo Loco's got his match with Psycho Clown. The one thing I'm disappointed in, especially these last few shows, they've been to LA two or three times since December, and mm-hmm. not one of those times to the build up to the collective did they have Psycho Clown, which is a little scary. Like I don't, I don't like like how there's no build. Yeah. That's going to be like one of the marquee matchups for World of Lucha is. Gringo versus Psycho Clown, the rematch, but we really haven't seen Psycho Clown in a long ass time. So, unless he's recovered from injury, I don't know what the whole situation is, but I would just like to know, like, I would like to see a little hmm. bit more build up to that match since it is a major uh, match for that card. And that's the last card of the collective is the world on Lucha. And I know they got pretty big plans for uh, trying to follow up WrestleMania and they're having their last show for the collective. They're trying to go all out and. I don't know. We'll see. I I definitely, if they, let's say something does, Psycho Clown can't make it, I would love to see Green, uh, Bandito fill in for him again because ben, Bandito's been hitting on all these matches lately and him and Gringo Loco had a great match in 12, 13 minutes it was and I think it could have gone a lot longer and told an even better story if uh, given the time to uh, lay it out during the match. Hmm. See, and I thought Psycho Clown and Bandito were meeting up again. Psycho Clown Bandito? Uh, uh, Psycho Clown and uh, Gringo Loco. They are, but I'm saying there's no build. Like it's just been announced, and oh, we haven't seen Psycho Clown saying. at all. Like they've been in LA, and that's where I know I've seen Psycho Clown. Or LA or Texas, and I they know, have history too. Yeah, and they just like I don't know why Psycho Clown hasn't showed up to kind of help promote this or uh, kind of further that's along weird. the storyline heading into the biggest shows of the year. So um, I'll give it time. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt as uh, they will oh. always seem find some way to still connect. And if they can have anything close to like what the match they had last year, I'm all for that kind of stuff. That will lead us into our eighth matchup of the evening. And this is a GCW extreme title match as Joey Janela defends the belt against Grim Reefer. And... I can't remember. Was it? That wasn't an open challenge. I think Joey Janela like specifically said he wanted to have this match with Grim Reaper Reefer because of his ties to New York, and uh, as he says that later on at the end to kind of give him his flowers as he's one of the um, not found like founding fathers of independent wrestling. Oh, yeah, OG. There you go. That's a better word. Um, and 
So I was originally surprised of and seeing how Grim Reaper. This is where I go back to my whole wins losses shit. But in this one, I was surprised. But then I was like, you know what? I'm all for it. Give Grim Reaper this yeah. match. Joey Janela uh, will and him will have a pretty fun match and give him his little spot. Give him his spotlight in New York. And I didn't mind it at all. I kind of that's where I in certain situations I disregard the wins and losses. And this one, I did because it did make sense. And uh, we haven't seen Grim Reaper in a while either. Up until like the AC shows, but it felt like I haven't, we haven't seen him in a while up until then either. I think we saw him one time maybe on the West coast and generally he's an East coast guy. Yeah. I think that's just his thing. I don't know if we've even seen him down South, like on any of the Southern shows, like Atlanta, Alabama, you know, any of those shows down there, not a hundred percent. I am happy that they're going back to Orlando for the first time in a while. Anyway, um, I kept having dreams of a GCW video game. Because I started to see the rundown on where GC would, uh, you know, GCW was going, and it's like Harpo's, and like all these ones where I'm like, oh shit, like I wish I could play those in the video games. So, like I said, I might get WWE 2K23 if you find out how to get a hold of all the GCW stuff on that one. Let me know. Absolutely. Either that, or I maybe get 22, but I'd rather have the extra year of bad, whatever it is. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the name for it when, you know, they better quality. Well, it's, it's not even that, but it's like another year of them actually uh, backing up the game and making sure they, you know, do all the debugging and everything on it. So, oh. you know what I mean? An older game, they kind of, to a point, they go, okay, well, we're done with that one and they move on. But that happens all the time with WWE 2K. Yep. Like after two months, they're done with shit and it's already focusing on the next year. Yep. Not how it works. Okay. So we're getting shiny little dots all over the building. They accompany the wrestlers' entrances as the night goes on. Someone must have found the button to the lights because that's what we have for the entrances. I don't know if you'd kind of notice we had those going on now. Yeah, I did. So, so Reefer is always a welcome sight. He's loved in the Northeast. He comes out in a New York hat. He's from New York. It's a beautiful thing. We had Joey. Joey chants as Janela enters the arena. There were dueling chants between Reefer and Joey because they they love all of them. I was expecting a classic GCW matchup. There were two veterans in the ring. It just looked good. I don't know. Something nice about seeing two old-fashioned veterans like go at it. It's like back in the day, I'd watch Sandman take on, I don't know, Sabu. And 20 years later, when you see that old match, it just feels good. You're like, oh, there's two, you know, two guys who've been around forever going at it. I don't know. But I just felt like both men had seen a lot, and they've been around for a long time, and they deserve their kudos for that. Uh, we had Jersey sucks chance from the New York crowd trying to get under Joey's skin. Janela was beating up reefer and mocking him. They fought to the outside just around the uh, one minute mark. There's a spot where reefer uses a chair to jump off of the stage and onto Janela below. That looked really, really good. Both Ben make it back, uh, make it back to the ring. Joey was mostly in control and he gains a little heat. There's a spot where reefer goes for a tornado DDT, but Janela reverses. Joey goes for a second rope something like it was some type of second rope move on reefer but reefer counters it into a springboard russian leg sweep reefer gets up and lights that big old joint oh my goodness man okay so your thoughts so far uh more wrestling than expected right uh, yeah it, it felt like a grim reefer match uh with that, that uh second rope uh springboard russian leg sweep that's a typical move i always wait to see him do uh mm -hmm perform that move on and i did like how uh like i said they, they you said it felt nice seeing kind of veterans that we watch in gcw a lot kind of go at it because 
we see Joey go against all these new names that are, that are in GCW and aren't typical ones that have been there since not since day one, but have been there for a while. And it was nice to see him. They see these two veterans have a fun matchup in a place that's going to ab- absolutely respond to both wrestlers as Jersey for Joey and New York for Grim. I thought it was perfect, like out, uh, outside of wrestling storytelling that could be a, told throughout this match. Oh, that's nice. Uh, Reefer latches. No, that's a good point. I just didn't know what else to put on it. I'm like, well, you packaged that one pretty good. This is your night so far. There's, but there's a spot where, hey, get it where you can. There's a spot where Reefer latches in the chronic crossface while he continues to smoke. Joey literally takes a joint out of his mouth while he's locked into the move and he starts smoking. Another spot where Reefer is, uh, he basically is put into the Reefer. Uh, Reefer into the sitting on cloud nine onto Janela below. That threw me off because it's called sitting on cloud nine is the move. So the way I wrote it was Reefer into the sitting on cloud nine onto Janela below. Okay, anyway, it wasn't easy. Go ahead, say something. No, I'm not going to say <laughs> nothing because, like I said, I I did that just for two moves during the whole match and I had to rewind and yeah, stuff. I'm not going to yeah. say shit on you, uh, <laughs> how you word that because it is tough to do uh, what you do when you do your. Dude. I got PTSD from doing that shit. I think like there's just so much going on in these matches. Uh, Janela hit a nice suplex into a package pile driver. Joey grabs a chair at minute eight, sets up Reaper Reefer on the top rope. Reefer gains control, jumps from the second rope, grabs a hold of Janela and runs his chair directly in, runs his, <laughs> runs his head directly into the chair. Reefer said, fuck you, Joey. He's being defiant. Joey kicks him to the ground, places a chair on Reefer, goes to the top rope and performs a huge avalanche double stomp for the win. So our winner in this one, Joey Janela. This was Joey's first win since returning home stateside. So good job, Joey. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this match. It was typ- like not typical Joey because it would have lasted like 20 minutes longer. But I really liked how they just hit the hit the spots that they're known for. And I love the spot with Joey's taking the blood out of, uh, <laughs> out of reefer's mouth. Yeah. Um, Why still in a hold? It's like, hold on a second. Let me reach to my arm. Can't reach there. There we go. <laughs> um, I, I enjoy this match. And I know you're about to get into what happened afterwards. I, that's what kind of threw me more for a loop than anything, because it was unexpected and, um, but a, a pleasant sight to see. Right, right, right. Ah, oh, see, yeah, Sorry. you know what's coming. Yeah. So uh, Joey grabs a mic. He says, this isn't about Jersey. This is about New York City. He says, Reefer is a legend in New York City. We're getting Reefer chants from the crowd. So he explains most of the crew that he originally was with is dead, retired, or fucking canceled. And here's Reefer. He's still puffing and stuffing. So... Two kids and maybe another one being made tonight, says uh, Joey. But uh, thanks, Reefer, for his contributions to independent wrestling. So Janela leaves the ring. He lets uh, Reefer get his his uh, congratulations in the ring there. Reefer explains he does this for his fans. He's going to continue to do this until his legs fall off, which is many thanks. He said if he didn't do this, he would die. And, you know, there are quite a few wrestlers where I'm pretty sure that this is what keeps them going. No lie. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I mean, if it keeps someone alive and it keeps them moving, man, hey, you know, so um, I always take that one to heart because I'm sure some people this might be all they have. And um, I'm happy that somebody like that found something that they like to do. That's that's the way I think I like to put that. But 
just as there are all these thanks coming in and all these claps and cheers and congratulations we have a beautiful uh, feel-good moment here comes mason from behind directly into a chokehold i even put in my notes <laughs> paro is with him fuck that paro is with him paro knocks him down and mason starts to choke him with paro's chain janela comes out to help reefer and he runs off mason and paro that right there tells me we've got ourselves a lo- a new storyline now my question is is this reefer and janela or just reefer that's my that's what i'm wondering I'm gonna probably say just Janella, but there's I, no, no, no. Just it was Reefer that they attacked. Yeah, but I still think it's gonna to lead to Joey versus Mason more than it was gonna be Reefer. That uh, makes sense. Okay, that my, makes a lot think, more yeah. sense actually. I mean, they might have one match like to kind of finish the story, but then I think Mason's gonna win and still do something after the bell. And Joey's like a, comes out once again to save his ass and challenge him for whatever show. I originally think was thinking at first. When this was happening, because I think Joey didn't announce his uh, his match at Spring Break until after this. But when I first uh-huh. saw this, I thought it was going to be Joey versus Mason <laughs> at uh, at Joey Janela Spring Break, and I was kind of shocked because there was not really build to it other than this. And um, but then Joey is going against Kota Bushi, which I think is cool. But that leaves kind of Mason with nothing to do which kind of frightens me that he has nothing to do during collective weekend and we'll just be roaming around the ucc kind of uh, fe beat down i was thinking he's going to cause havoc he might... and just interrupted like every show he'd find some way to inter- in- interfere in every show and kind of uh wow yeah <laughs> piss everyone off persistent pain in the ass yeah boy that'd be interesting yeah what i was thinking in my mind if there's no match then mason's gonna come out and be like hey you know I'm a, I'm a this, I'm a that. You guys don't even give me enough respect. Give me a match on the biggest night and blah, blah, blah. And then maybe from behind, Effie just fucking clocks him. So that, that would, would be, be another, cool, yeah. again, we're we're looking for pops on WrestleMania weekend. So Yeah. And like I said, now Mason, like Mason as, a, as far as I know, they're done with the whole, I think now this proves they're whole done with the Effie stuff. But if it's found a way to kind of continue, I think that would be a smart way to to do so that will lead us into match number nine and this one i was all in on just because i love the time splitters like i know the the motor motor city machine guns is kind of known uh alex shelley's most well-known tag team but i really loved all the work they did in new japan with Kushida uh as the time splitters and i was really excited to see this and even with it not being east west express if you ask me one person to fill in for Nick Wayne to team with Jordan, it absolutely was going to be Speedball as the answer. And uh, I, yeah, I was really excited with this match, uh, looking forward to this match and excited to see it. And it connected. And the one big takeaway I really got from this was I thought it was cool. Jordan's not signed with anyone. And all three of these competitors are with Impact Wrestling. And I was like, maybe this is like a little tryout or Maybe right. Jordan kind of kills it, and they go back and kind of give Jordan, uh, put Jordan's name in uh, Scott Demore's ear, and kind of maybe get him on Impact Wrestling. Um, but Jordan spent a lot of the time in the ring too. Like that's what kind of made me really start to think that as the match went on, is like Jordan was in there quite a bit, and he was getting the work in with those competitors, and I was just like, and he held his own. Like he, him and Speedball, they didn't yeah, do a lot of crazy yeah. tag team moves together, but. 
Uh, Jordan absolutely proved uh, we've seen it with Alex Shelley before, but with Kushida, I wish he would have had a little bit more interaction with Kushida. There wasn't a lot there. It was mostly with Alex Shelley. Um, but Jordan, this was a show out uh, match, in my opinion, just for Jordan showing that seamlessly he could work with Impact wrestlers and have a great match. And hopefully uh, this will lead to something bigger for Jordan down the line. You know, Jordan's holding his own right now. He's being put in much better positions and he's really doing a damn good job in those positions. Okay. This was the semi-main event. <laughs> the time splitters look so fucking good. This whole match, like they look so, so good. Um, and that they made these two look like the throw together team that they were. I don't want to cheapen it because they're both awesome competitors. It's just, they put them together. This, this, this looks like team splitters look like a real, real team. Like, God, it was good. I haven't seen them together in a long time either. And Veda Scott made that's a mention. I was going to hop in there. I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but that Veda Scott made that exact mention was it just seems it doesn't matter who Alex Shelley's tag partner is and how long that they haven't competed with each other. As soon as they yep. get in, he just connects and it seems like they never miss a step. And I think I said this on the last podcast with uh, um, the Motor City Machine Guns just in general as well, but Alex Shelley has had so many tag team partners throughout his whole career and Beta Scott, like, excellent call on commentary saying, like, he's so good, and that's why he's still around and still wrestling at the top of his game because he has never lost a step and just fits right in there. Like, nothing's ever – like, they didn't he's miss a beat good. at all. Yeah, and I thought that was just cool. Veda Scott mentioned that on uh, commentary, and you mentioned that right there, like, with Kush- uh, the time splitters not wrestling for a long period of time, and you could never tell watching this match. No, absolutely not. Um Every single wrestler in this match has been or is a champion at one time. I thought that was really kind of special. Kushida was out to heavy Kushida cheers. Jordan was out. Wayne can't wrestle because of the situation with New York. So uh, he looks to Shelly at one point in the beginning of this match and kind of tapped his invisible watch. I don't know if you noticed that he was basically saying time is coming for East West and MCMG to meet up. I don't know if you noticed that. And it was a call call to Kushida because he's always, <laughs> Kushida's always time. That's right. Watch too. I, 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 I like, I like that. that. I, I was thinking what I said, but once you said time is up, I was like, Oh shit, that's a good call too, because yeah, yeah they're going to yeah. be seeing each other at the collective and Jordan's telling them time's up. I thought that was, that's cool. I didn't it's think coming. of that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, and he's the champion too. So he's like, oh shit, you know? So Bailey is or will always be welcome in GCW. I love him. I can't get enough of him. Again, if there was a nice title to put on him, I'd like to see it because, well, again, this goes to the last point from the last show, man. He's just one of those guys I'd love to see him carry our gold into another company and show it off. And I like how he represents and carries himself. And I think that he would represent and carry the GCW name quite well. I don't know. You want to have anything to say about that one? It's up to you. No, because I've uh, yeah. I've never heard any wrestler, and I think someone else mentioned it the other day. Like no, I've never heard anyone say a negative word about Speedball at all right, ever right. anytime since I've been following his career, which is not that long, but. I've never heard anyone say anything negative. There's no story, no like nothing out there that could drag him through the mud. And I don't do think because of that, he's a great amb- could be a great ambassador for whatever company he decides to hold the belt for and represent uh, all across the world. Oh, if he knows Spanish between knowing French, English, and Spanish, he conquers North America. He could be the North American champion. You I never like know. It. I like it. Oh, 
Well, yeah. So uh, I was thinking or the American champion, but I've been I've had some shit ideas tonight so far. Also, I don't know if you notice I'm rubbing my eye because I'm allergic to dogs, even though I live with two golden retrievers. And I guess I didn't wash my hands. And now my eye is uh, like all. So we'll looks see. Like I have, yeah, it looks like I have COVID or something. I do not. But um, there so there were and given the situation with all the champions, there were no titles on the line tonight. Just pride. I really was settling in like there are matches where when I'm really looking forward to the matchup, I kind of I'm like, okay, do I have my water? Am I comfortable? Can I just watch it? And then before sometimes I'll actually watch the match, then I'll turn around and watch it again and take notes on it because I just want to take it in for what it is. And this is one of those matches I really enjoyed and really tried to take it in as much as possible. Um, Oliver and Kushida had a little exchange that shows promise for a future match down the road. That's something I'd like to maybe look into at some point. I want Bailey to have a run for the belt again. It's kind of funny. I got ahead in my own notes there. I I'm trying to learn all of Shelly's moves. Obviously he's going to be around for a while in GCW champions rarely change in GCW that quick. So I'm guessing we have a couple months of motor sun most bleh, MCMG ahead of us, right? I hope not. Well, Selfishly. oh well, yeah. You, you, Selfishly, you're pro East West on that one, especially at the collective. I want to see it happen since I'll be there. I want to see it happen at the collective, dude. But obviously, dude, I that happens mind. live. You're gonna be seeing me like fucking message you immediately because you'll. I'll be like probably going viral on Twitter for jumping up and down for like the whole match for no reason. I'll be like the asshole that's like jumping up and running around the ring. I have an idea. Happening. Do you want me to say it? Do you want me to really say it though, bro? Okay, you need to get a piss jug. And you need to go as piss jug guy to the thing as like a memorial. I, like I would love to do it myself if I could. Like everybody bring a jug off, and then they no, oh god, no, don't do that. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Nobody should really do that. But uh I'm yeah, I thought it would be really cool. Like it would be really cool for everybody for one thing to have their own jug and bring it in, but that would be completely deadly wrong in LA. Yeah. That would turn into a fucking in. tequila fest. I already oh, know God. it right now. People would be completely fucked up on whatever liquor they could bring in that thing and they'd like try to turn it, you know, oh, yeah. yellowish green color and yeah. See one thing just, we did order though, ooh. like they did an or they did make a uh, new east west express shirts and we did order them i just hoping i kind of get them before the collective so that way i could wear it oh. during uh spring break. oh i plan on wearing like every gcw show i go to i most i'm mostly wearing a jordan oliver shirt anyway because he's on the card but since there's mm-hmm. a lot of events going on this night and uh some of these shows i don't think jordan has been announced on but he'll probably be like thrown on there a lot of them um I have, I'm planning on bringing like six or seven different shirts, pretty much one one different shirt for each show to kind of uh, stay fresh as well because uh, that's going to be pretty oh, yeah. sitting there oh, for yeah. 12 hours. But uh, to kind of like represent like other shirts, like I think during Bloodsport, we're going to wear a Speedball shirt. Uh, I have nice. Speedball. And, then, and then I was going to save the East West Express shirt for the Joey Janela Spring Break because like I said, I hope I'm. that's the one th- big, the biggest thing I'm hoping for is that they uh, finally capture the tag team titles at the collective so the only thing i can really say about this match that makes sense is really this is one of those matches to be witnessed play by play by me is impossible it'd be like a 45 minute situation just to watch a 20 to 22 minute match i just couldn't possibly do it so i'm just going to kind of go over some highlights or some things that i thought was worth mentioning so first off i'm interested in the dynamic of ollie oliver and shelly it's always a good mix between the two 
I would like to see Shelly try to take that championship off of Oliver. I think that would be something very interesting. I would like to see that worked into a storyline where basically Shelly has taken everything from Oliver and he can't get anything back. That includes his uh, JCW title. Who knows? I do like Kushida, but I love everyone else in the ring just a touch more. I swear to goodness, I wanted to mention him more. But really, for me, what was shining was my old impact TNA guys from back in the day. And then here's Jordan Oliver, which is one of my future favorites, you know, my current favorites. So I was kind of fanboying out for a lot of these guys. But um I was popping for find- every moment I could get during this match. Every move, yeah. like, I was cheering for both teams. Like I said, I'm the same way. All four competitors are awesome, and I I really like Kushida too. Um, I like I really liked him in New Japan before he started teaming with Alex Shelley. But that their tag team was so awesome in the junior junior tag division in New Japan. Like I, I Kushida is a big fan because like I like how he incorporates MMA into the wrestling mm-hmm. while still being a great actual like sports entertainer wrestler quote-unquote like still doing wrestling right. stuff not just mma stuff and making it entertaining like kind of like how janai kai she's like not the perfect like wrestler but her striking so freaking good i like her as a striker and i just like how kushida yes. is kind of janai quality and striking with excellent wrestling to go along with it and he's able to adjust and adapt to like all these different styles of matches that he has had uh over the years since i've been watching him and i i was kind of a little bit the opposite i was rooting for kushida a little bit more than normal because i don't know when we'll ever be seeing kushida in a gcw ring again like i actually what after seeing this i want to see kushida versus kota bushi at some point during gcw but it's not happening they're the collective week. well you know the thing is, is you're definitely more Japanese centered than I am. And I think that's where my weakness is. So the other thing is for me, and no lie, if I would, if I was going this weekend coming up, I, I would be kind of lost on the DDT side. It would be my GCW people versus a lot of people who I don't know. And so to me, it would be almost equal to a local show, but I know the talent level is like, whew way higher and that's why i think it's making me more excited than i would go into a local show because yeah, you said that yeah. the, the the quality is going to be a lot better but i have the same not fear because just because i know the quality is going to be good and i'm going to probably fall in love with like 10 of these wrestlers i never heard of before and want to go check out all their shit and even watch more wrestling uh-huh. than i do now um, make notes in your phone i just can't believe eddie kingston is and Jun Nakayama are going to be in a gcw ring like that's the one that's blowing my mind right now for that that card is seeing those two in gcw and i never akiyama i've never seen before in general but i didn't think i'd be seeing eddie kingston back in gcw after the whole mox thing and they're letting him do this show and i think that's awesome that's like a special moment and match that like i think it's i'm putting up there higher in the card that i'm excited for than a lot not just that card but the whole weekend because it's i think it's going to be a special moment and a once in a lifetime opportunity obviously for me eddie kingston is so gcw i can't think of another east coaster with such a chip that's so pissed off it just he's wrestling a couple does fit Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, he's someone. He's someone that just so fits GCW that it'll be really nice to see him just in the ring again. And he's going to get the type of crowd reaction that I think he doesn't get much anymore, especially from an AEW crowd. I was really excited to see him in the Hammerstein because he was supposed to go against. Well, 
it was never announced, but the kind of general consensus was, and because of all the online talk, was AJ AJ Gray was supposed to go against uh, Eddie Kingston at Hammerstein as like mm. a, as a fight for like the second gear crew kind of stuff. Because Eddie Kingston was like part of the original second gear crew, and I think. Eddie Kingston has a lot of history in GCW for the short amount of time he was in, and I think it's cool that he's able to come back and hopefully tell some sort of story regarding that as well. Because I think the last time I saw Eddie Kingston in a GCW ring, oh my god, I'm going to forget it right now who he wrestled against. I'm going to think, try to remember it without looking it up here. Oh, no, no, but, that's time. I'll keep going. Oh, no, no, okay. I was going to say you could look it up while I go through the match. Oh. I'm going to try to think about it before I look it up. I'm going to see if I okay. can test okay. my memory out here. I know, uh, I know it was in material. L.A. I, I do know that much. I know it was in L.A. I just cannot remember who the opponent was, and it's it's going to eat me up here. You know what I just thought of is anyone who's listening, there are times where we're sitting here trying to think of a name and there's a listener going, it's fucking Rowdy Piper. It's Rowdy. God, God damn it, guys. It's right. And we're sitting here going, well, let me look that up real quick. I don't know if I know that one. And most of the time we may think we know it, but we want to try to be accurate. So it's like, but I just now thought about it. There are probably a ton of fans every now and then that we're like trying to search for a name or something. And they're like, it was at Harpo's in Detroit. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Um, so you're still working on it, aren't you? I'm still thinking. It's just, gonna, just yeah. okay, okay. So the time the time splitters have some great double team moves, and they definitely used them in this match. It led to Bailey getting his leg isolated, which is rough for a kickboxer. But the splitters worked really well together. They were beating on Oliver and Bailey by basically tearing them apart and working on them individually. And Oliver and Bailey basically couldn't seem to get off of the ground at the same time to work together. It was high level tag team shit is what the, t- the time killers were really doing. Um, there was a nice spot where Shelly hit a beautiful bleach shot too on Bailey. There were tons of spots, but that one stuck out. Everyone is still getting in their moves. Speedball with double knees on Kushida. There were speedball chants. A very busy match. Almost a scramble was the way that it was executed. There was uh, two in and then one would switch, then another would switch. That's generally how tags work, but there were no tags. So it was definitely almost scramble-like. There was a nice spot where the time splitters have Oliver and Bailey in submissions, and it was looking bad for him. This is awesome. Chance started ringing out amongst the crowd. A great story was being told with all the exchanges. The time splitters have primarily been the most dominant at the 15 minute mark by about 65%. Obviously, experience was paying off here. Around minute 16, Shelly gets slap happy. I don't know if you've ever seen, there's like a video online where a guy just starts slapping people. It's like kind of a comedy thing, but this guy, he stands up like at a birthday party and he just starts slapping people like everyone, the moms, the kids, everybody. It's a comedy thing. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to find it somewhere. I don't know what they call it or anything. It's just another one of those, you know, memes that have been not a meme, but something close to that damn near. But the time splitters are now picking apart. Uh, Yeah. They look elementary. Sorry. Get rid of that note real quick. Oliver had a nice double crab on the time splitters for one of the few times that they were actually on top of this match. Bailey then puts double knees into Kushida's back. Both teams are painting an awesome story of two teams struggling for a win. Tooth and nail type shit is what's going on here. It really was brawl-like. It felt like a fight the whole time. 
Uh, the last minute of this match, Bailey tries to rally. Oliver, Oliver is down. There's no way he can help. The splitters double team Bailey. Then they focus on Oliver. They do the trip down I-94 for the finisher. The time, the time splitters pick up the win. So our winners here, the time splitters. Um, Shelly can't lose in tag action right now. It doesn't matter who the hell he's with. We kind of spoke about this earlier. Shelly is on another planet right now when it comes to wrestling wins just goodwill everyone loves him like the whole thing is just nothing but positivity for him and he's just so normal and i like that yeah alex shelley's been on a roll like i said that's why if they do keep the tag belts i wouldn't be surprised ultimately um because as you said they're on a roll and gcw doesn't let them uh doesn't change titles that usually that quickly but it's, it's so nice seeing Alex Shelley still on top of his game. Like I said, I was a giant fan of his in, impact as well. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like I said, I think I said this before, when he was teaming up with uh, Kevin Nash as, uh, like, I forgot the name again. I think I forgot it last time, too. Like, he's like the camera person and stuff. Um, and I, I noticed the same thing. As, as you said, They uh, Bailey and Jordan couldn't get their timing right. And that just goes back to my earlier statement was how crazy fast that him and Nick Wayne – Got so in yeah, sync with yeah. every single move, the timing and everything, uh, and like that. This is we're talking about speedball here, and like and speedball is not also a tag team wrestler, but neither was Jordan and Nick at that time. They're singles competitors right, mostly, right. Um, and I still enjoyed watching this uh, them as a tag team. I just would love to see Jordan and Bailey somehow, some way, still be a tag team or go against. I want to see those two just wrestle against each other all the time. Oh, like, East West versus Time Splitters, though. Yeah, that's that. That's what we good. could have potentially seen tonight would have been fantastic. Yes, absolutely. I I think I'm gonna have to call it here and make a crazy guess. I don't remember the Eddie Kingston actually had two matches in. Uh, uh, all I saw was two matches. I didn't see who it was. I'm gonna get my two guesses were Chris Dickinson and Matthew Justice, but I think I'm completely mm. wrong. I'm gonna actually open it up right now and we'll see how completely wrong I am. And oh no, of course to send me somewhere else. So I'll have to. <laughs> well, I'm just saying I really can't wait for the Nick Wayne match. I want to get him involved in this somehow. This match would have been a match for the history books, honestly, but fuck the New York State Commission for tying GCW's hands in that aspect. I just there. I just I, want to say it. I actually don't mind it though, because it gave us the tag team of Jordan and Bay. Like the one time I don't really mind them costing Nick right, Wayne is right. this just because speedball was the fill in. I might feel You're differently. You're saying if it's going to happen, let it happen now. Yeah, just because speedball okay, yeah. gets a fill in for Nick Wayne. Uh, so I was, also, Emma, go ahead. Oh, go no, ahead. Go ahead. Go. You, no, no, no. I saw you kind of half celebrating or super half, pissed half, off. Which one was Half it? celebrating. So okay. Eddie Kingston last GCW match was at the UCC Center. Uh, oh, I can't do Matt. I can't do a uh, calendar here. Holy shit. November 8th. 2019 against Effie. I over three years ago. I thought, oh yeah, but I was right. Eddie Kingston did go against Matthew Justice in GCW. Oh, cool. But this one was that one was in New York uh, at the tribute to Homicide Show, and they had in New York. I knew Eddie Eddie and Justice had a match. I just couldn't picture it, but I was half right, but mostly wrong. So, um, yeah, this is um, this is a match that had incredible potential. It loved it lived up to quite a bit. The only thing that was missing was the cohesiveness of a team between Oliver and Bailey. That's nothing against Oliver and Bailey. They're just solid competitors and they probably didn't have a chance to get everything together in the amount of time that they did. 
I do like the fact that this should have been East West Express, but I have a feeling there. Well, maybe hopefully there's time to do this. Hopefully there's time to have this match happen. And I don't mind them not being on the same page because it makes it kind of a storyline reason of why the time mm-hmm. splitters won as they are they are actual tag team and the other two are not. And ultimately, yeah. that's what did them in at the end. I do like how you could always fall back on that part of uh, of the result of this match. And that will lead us into our main event of the evening as it is for the GCW world title as the champion Nick Gage defends it against Masha. And I really didn't take any notes during this match because I just wanted to watch it, uh, just enjoy it, and then um, just talk about it because it's there's a lot. It was uh, not a lot of crazy spots during the match. It was a decent match for what kind of as you said, the handcuffs that were in, but I, I really like the whole story that they were telling during this match more than the moves because um, commentary did a great job of building Masha up and kind of playing the sympathy card with her parents there. And this would be cool as she, as, uh, as to win the GCW title in front of her parents. And um, the way they wrestled Nick Gage was beating the shit out of Masha and kind of like, Hey, this is my ground. You can't sit there. This is this is still my uh, my yard. You ain't ready for it yet. And really showed Masha that she wasn't ready for it yet and was in control for the most part. But then whenever Masha did kind of hulk back up and kind of get back into the control and offense, she did an excellent job of getting her shit in and then all of a sudden going right back to selling for Nick Wayne and getting the crowd to start cheering for her more. And I just really like the whole storytelling part aspects of this match more than the actual action going on in it. Okay, so everybody, I'm sure, minus maybe one or two listeners, have seen this match and what's went on with it. So I'm fucking sad. This is Nick's last championship match. This one. So you don't think that before now, or you think that's for he good? He said he said this was his last run. That was the whole premise of this run was he wanted one more run. So do you think that's the end of him then, or no? Well, that I'm guessing that's his one last run. But. Run at the belt or just in general in GCW? You think he still would come? Like, is he, do you think he's going to wrestle in three months from now? Okay, in let's GCW. have fun. Let's have fun. Yes, I think so. But but I'm just going to go ahead and let's let's rip some band aids off here real quick. Let me go down to the bottom of my notes. Well, what I was going to say about him, and um, yeah, I'll just go ahead and cover this now because this is what I was going to say after the match. I'm not happy with Gage's run ending this way. My gut instinct says that I don't honestly think he's happy with it either. It should have been a battle with no interference, mainly for integrity purposes. Gage wouldn't want to lose or win dirty, and it would have definitely been done with glass. That's what I wanted to say about it before I go any further. That man damn near died in glass. There's no such thing as him having a match without glass. See, no, I, no, his last championship match is going to have no pizza cutter. Get the fuck out of here. So, so, so there's something going on or this was, I don't know. Cause my son, he watched this. I'm going to tell you what he said. He said, and again, my son went to the live show. Every time we went to a live show, he's went with me. He don't sit down and watch every show with me. So he's kind of like, he'll sit down, just you know, watch five, 10 minutes, get up and bounce once his food's done from the microwave <laughs> or something. You know what I mean? Um, he said this felt forced. He said he he said it just felt like it was a forced title change. 
And I was trying to ask him like, why? And he goes, Nick Gage isn't fighting like normal. Nick Gage is fighting like he's supposed to lose. That's what he, that's what he said. And I'm like, oh, and then I went back and watched it a second time and, and it, it's, it's, it is what it is. So, um, honestly, uh, yeah, we'll go through the match and we'll talk about it okay. more. I'm struggling for words because I'm between it was Nick's last championship match, the way he lost it, how and lo- how he lost it, who he lost it to. Like the whole thing is awkward. So I'm going to go through that piece by piece. I'm going to be a fucking dick, I guess, but I really don't mean to be. And I don't want to say anything really too disparaging, if anything at all, because Masha is not my style. No lie from the beginning but I don't have anything bad to say either. Actually, when I talked to her, my wife talked to her, she was downright absolutely nice. So I'm just saying as of the character, as of this moment, as of what she shows me of herself, doesn't really connect with me too much. That doesn't mean I have anything really, really bad to say. So I just wanted to kind of say that now because I might say something bad. I don't know, maybe we'll see. But um, the video package that they had to start this thing looks fucking awesome. Well done video. Uh, someone appears between them both in the LA footage. So congratulations, dude. You're a Hollywood star. Gee, thanks. Can you do that? I'll be signing autographs uh, upstairs at the UCC instead of $50 though. Would you just bring me a hot day, hot dog and shake my hand? We'll call it even. Oh, wow. Now you're shaking hands. Look at you. Oh, I got to have a bottle of hand sanitizer first. So yeah, I was going to say, you got to watch that shit, man. (laughs) Um, well, if Deppin comes up, it can be a real dirty handshake. You got to watch out for him. I'm glad. Shit. Yeah. Uh, I'm my glad middle though- finger still smells. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I'm glad though during the video package. If I I'm didn't not- explain what I just said, but that sounds disgusting. Cause we're going to go, yeah, we're going to go right through that one. Cause I do. Yeah, know we did. I do like though during the video package when they do catch me like right in between at the like in the Masha and Nick. Yeah, I'm glad I wasn't yeah. like yawning. The podcast guy was between the drama, dude. I was so exhausted. I, I actually like I'm gonna go back and kind of quickly rewatch it right now, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I think my wife was yawning, but it's like it wasn't because we were bored or anything. It's just like that just, was a long was ass day. Like we said long before, day. yeah, driving all that time and to try to keep my energy up through the whole night is pretty rough and. Uh, like I was just standing there, just like enjoying the moment with the, my shitty grin. But I think like my wife was yawning. But uh, it, we were enjoying the moment. We weren't bored of the moment. No, I get that. Um, okay, so I gotta, I gotta kind of get back to this because uh, again, I'm kind of fucked up over this. I really didn't want to see it go down, nor go down this way. So I'm like, ah. Um, I expected the final match of a king to be king-like kind of thing, but. I will say this much. Masha was fighting out of New York City. Her parents were in the crowd. She had friends and family in the crowd. It was in home territory. If you're going to hand over a belt to her, then this is the place to do it. And I think that's fair. There were still MDK chants throughout the crowd because there was just a strong following. Nick starts the match with some vicious throws of Masha down to the match. Nick shows some stiff moves. It shows basically what physics really looks like if she tried to hit him because she practically bounced off of him a couple times. We had MDK all fucking day from the crowd. That's where I kind of, I kind of almost wondered because what he was showing us in the beginning there is, hey, here's how it really goes, but here's how it's going to go. You know, like he, he didn't move when she was bouncing into him and I would consider it a bounce because all she did was make contact and fall off. So um 
fuck him up Masha, fuck him up chance. They were dueling against the Nick Gage chance. Gage was working rough on her to get heat. He's working heel, but he's also working his regular face stuff, doing the chance with the crowd and whatnot. So I was kind of confused by that. But Gage was in control from the beginning. Masha starts to really gain any traction around the five-minute mark. Gage at one point smacks Masha, and he turns around to the crowd. He goes, God damn, I'm fucking good, and people love that. Nick is now beating up Masha right in front of her parents and family. He's beating on her and staring at them, and then he'll do it again and stare at them. He started yelling at Masha's mom. Masha eventually ran, rallies back right in front of her family. The fans loved it. Gage eventually kisses the ring post. So back in the ring at the 12-minute mark after about five minutes outside, Gage brings in a door and a table into the ring. Gage starts face-washing at minute 13. We have MDK chance. Blake shows up at minute 15 to huge booze. Get the fuck out, chance from the crowd. Blake gets in the ring and super kicks Masha. Blake goes to hit Masha and accidentally hit Nick's gate, Nick Gage in the face with a chair. He seems to be smiling about it, though. So that was really interesting. But in comes Akira and knocks Blake out of the ring and chases him to the back. Minute 18, there's no referee at this point. Gage and Masha are exchanging blows. Masha has Gage up and ram him into the corner and demolished a chair. Masha fails to pick him up for the pile driver, then fails again. No lie, this is a trend I pointed out last show. I've seen this a couple times. It's not my opinion. It's on video. In reviewing GCW shows, I try to be positive as much as possible. It's supportive and helpful to the independent community. That's what we try to do here. But if someone doesn't want me to mention what I see, don't show it to me. So that's why I said earlier, accidents happen. I never fault people with accidents. But the same accident happens over and over. And it's called a problem. I've seen, I think, four drops, three, four drops at this point in a couple shows. And it does happen a lot, unfortunately. And I'm just talking about it because I see it. Um, and that's just the way it is. So um, it's just we're in the main event and she's having a hard time picking up Gage for him to even get his feet past his his ass. So I just I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm like, here's that's our future champion. That's just that's just a real thought. I'm just telling you that if that was most anybody else, we would be booing them. Then they get the belt and we'd really be booing them. But with, because it was this person or that person specifically, we let that pass. And that's why I'm saying I don't know if Nick would even want this to be his last match. But I just wanted to kind of mention it. But Masha towards the end hits a shining wizard. She's choking him out. The ref starts checking on Gage and he's almost out. He's out. Nick Gage basically is out like a light. He can't tap. He can't do anything. Our new champion and winner, Masha Slamovich. So I just, I, um, she's a fantastic person, but it wasn't really a, a win. Nick was boasted. He, to me personally, I'm so sorry, but he was muted and he took a fucking chair shot to the face. And after the chair shot to the face, oh, I just can't wrestle or fight anymore that well. And that's how she won it. How is that a face championship win? Yeah, yeah there's a lot going on. And yeah, I guess <laughs> I want it to all come out of my mouth, but I don't want to upset anybody and I don't want to sound hateful. But I mean, this is Gage is my fucking dude. And I wanted to see him go down in a bloody hard fought mess against someone who's just known to be, you know, the best at what they do. And I mean, come on, he couldn't have passed it to Cardona. He couldn't have passed it to like half of the roster that could pick him up above their head. 
I know. So like that sounds rough, but I'll be honest with you, like the person or not, if you can't perform those moves properly, I mean, what, 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 just stop doing them. You just can't, you got to stop picking people up. She's five, two to five, four, maybe a hundred and whatever, 135, 100. I don't know. Like, I'm just guessing. She had a hard time picking up Nick who's billed at 225, I think 215. Yeah. 215. I think it's, it's only 200 pounds, bro. Yeah. It's only 200 pounds. Let's let's not lie. Um, you know, Sawyer Wreck was having a rough time with Lufisto the night. You know, the 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 game. The, yeah, there's just I understand people get tired and they get gassed also. And again, I'm not doing this job. I'm just a fan. So when I see that in my main event that the person who wins the title can't pick up the defending champion and see, so. I'll kind of say it's okay it's okay please please like counter me because i don't want to feel like some negative mess but right now i feel like it's bitterness that Nick gage lost plus the fact that generally i'm not the the character of masha doesn't um it's not it's not something i seek out i don't mean anything bad by that i don't have anything bad against the character i understand what she's doing i like the look think she's a fantastic person so i think i'm just sour grapes over gauge losing is part of it well i could when i was watching that pile driver i kind of thought maybe it was like a timing issue but also i think they played it off i don't remember the commentary specifically or not but well that's like, their job but watching it that's right now like, you know how it is yeah but watching it right now at first like it looks like a timing issue but you could play it off as like it, she went for a short pile driver because she can't lift him right, up right. like that's on purpose like she didn't lift him all the way up because she can't and that's playing into the whole size difference in the david versus goliath but also i i'm pretty sure i've seen her do a short pile driver before like you know like that quickness where they don't lift him up they just barely get him up and drop him and i think that <laughs> For me, I, that's how I looked at that move, but I, I I understand what you're saying too, and I don't. She don't do a lot of lifting. Yeah, she don't. She don't. And if you actually go back and look, she really doesn't do a lot of lifting in matches, and she she stays away from that. It's that's why I think it's also strike heavy, is because she may not want to pick people up as much, and that's that's fair. That's all in the legs, and it's all in the core, and. And that's that might going. not be her thing because she's a smaller person, and I respect that. You can't always do everything, and that's okay. And that's where I was going with it too. I know yeah, I talked yeah. to you uh, right before the podcast saying it. Like I really liked Masha when she was like her striker. She was just coming out and just kicking and beating the shit out of people and putting them in submission moves. Like I really liked the simplistic style that wrestling style that she had because it was more like I kind of like the MMA fighter. She felt like one of these MMA fighters that could come in and kick ass in wrestling, and that's how her character was at first. And then she started doing all these other moves and stuff, and then I, she's usually yeah, hits them yeah. all and stuff like that i think tonight uh i th i think just with the pile drivers i don't know maybe it was even supposed to be a short pile driver i don't know i could see that playing off the one thing i disliked about this whole thing was unless i dislike it if they're not going to go one route so i don't like the interference either if you're going to give masha and she's going to be the champion moving forward like past the collective and for these next couple months and next couple shows not just the collective then I think it should have been a clean win that would have meant a lot more for her. And it could have kind of give Gage. Yes. Yeah. It could have give Gage that time to, hey, I don't got it no more. I lost the belt. I said this was what I was fighting for. Kind of like a, hey, see you guys. Like Gage kind of give a salute. I'm done. Like, because when he, when he made that proclamation to Moxie, he's like, I'm fighting for the belt. Like, it seemed like if he lost the belt, he was done. In my first uh, first uh -huh. recall of that, that's why I was asking you specifically, 
not just championship match because you kept saying championship match is his last match. I said just playing in general. Do you think right, he's going right. to wrestle again? And we'll get back to that later. But yes, yes, I do believe okay. so. But yeah, okay, we'll get back to it later. But um, you made a good yeah. point. See, for me in my head, I'm like, oh, that's it. You made a good point. Yeah, he actually absolutely can wrestle again. Just damn, do you really want that as your last title match? That- no glass, hardly any blood. You you can't even use your gimmick pizza cutter. Like, come on. But that man. makes it all in my my mind. That makes it uh-huh. a perfect storm for Masha to win it. Nick Gage wasn't able to do what he's using he to disabled. win it. Exactly. When you said when you, his weapons were disabled from him, like yes. he was unable to do. Well, like GCW, they were unable to do what they do best in that ring. When that is taken away from them, that's what made them deadly. That was my. Oh my God. Everything you just said made sense in my head. <laughs> That's just my. Oh no, my I'm just playing counterpoint because. Wow. If... No, that was smart. I can't believe I didn't think about that. Good stuff. But here's where I'm upset where if. Well, I won't be upset. I won't be upset if she be, if she's a champion for three months and this is the way she won it, unless she turns heel in some way or Akira becomes a constant. Like, I didn't like how if she's going to be your champion for the, the foreseeable, foreseeable future, why she didn't just win it cleanly because it would have just meant so much more around her, the situation. The it would have made her look stronger. This yes. is about a woman winning the championship. You should not have needed in any way a man's help. Yes. I could do it myself, God damn it, because I'm the toughest there is. That's how a champion feels. That's why I'll be upset if she stays champion for a while, unless they kind of have a little bit of fuckery happen during her matches that help her keep it. But if she's going to lose it at the collective, I just assuming so, I'm mm-hmm. all for being kind of like a transitional champion because it. Sh- sh- they told the story during this Cardona. Match. They told me Cardona with Steph. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, that's what I'm thinking. That's why I'm thinking. Maybe that's why they introduced Steph Delander here, where they Masha couldn't win the belt by herself, so she has to. When she goes this one time to prove it to herself, she might tell Akira, hey, like she might like they could play this off storyline. Hey, I know you came out and helped me. I appreciate you. I love you. But I got it now. It's time to show them that I earned this and I can keep it. And then when she goes out there by herself with no Akira, no nothing, she loses it to Cardona, who uses Steph Delander to help him pick up the victory and get more heat hmm. on him that he did it. Like not saying that he would need Steph to be here, but I think it would be a cool looking thing where Bosch is being the shit out of Cardona for a while. And Cardona can't really do nothing. And to finally win, he had to use Steph to, he had to use outside interference to win the belt. But I think it fits hmm. the storyline hmm. more better for him as a heel that way. than it kind of did with Masha. If they keep Masha the champion, but they at turn her heel where she needs bunch of stuff to win then i'm all for this title victory or oh no what did i say yeah i'm all for it but they kind of keep her to try to now let her win clean and be this destructive force that doesn't need any outside help i'm going to not really like that decision because you needed help to win the belt against nick gage but now you don't need the help of anyone to win the belt against or to keep the belt against other people it just doesn't make sense to me in that way well, that's what I'm saying. I'm wondering if she's going heel because a face should not lose dirty and or I think, should not win dirty. And I've always thought she's a way better heel than a face. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. And I that's, wonder where Blake... that's going to be interesting. Okay. So my thought is possibly here comes Maki Ito. Uh, so yeah, you so I'm that thinking one, the possibility like that is 
Yeah, I'm thinking she's like, how dare you shit on the MDK gang? Yes, we are a gang. You have to fight us, yep. not just Gage. I'm one of us. Let's have this shit out the collective. And then what happens, happens. You said that, Which and is I a love possibility. that idea. I, I love it. it book strong anyway. Yeah, so I, I just did love that idea. It's one idea. Another one is that, uh, see, now if Chelsea was still around, Chelsea should have went for it. Cardona helps Chelsea cheat to win and chelsea gets the belt then we have chelsea and matt now da, da 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 and just for fun we could have matt fuck over chelsea for the belt or she does the hulk hogan finger poke of dune lay down yeah which is totally cardona it would fit right finger in poke of doom she lays down he takes the he takes the title we would boo our asses off it's an idea it's just one idea so that's one idea i had um i had one other but i can't remember it offhand but yeah, I could see them trying to have a female do it, and then somehow there's interference there. But in a perfect world, I would say it's either Gage says, I want a fucking rematch, or, uh, yeah, he could ask for a rematch in a cage where there's no interference. Well, that's one idea. Well, you have, you have Maki is another idea. I, oh, uh, here's what I thought. Here's what I thought. The face wins clean against gauge the next show that's when we have interference from christian don't do it on a huge stage with our biggest star we've ever had i was going to bring up your theory remember when we were talking on twitter Rick, you said that blake comes in hurts nick and then realizes wait masha i can beat her one-on-one i've done it before you said and when that came out i was like holy shit you were almost right like i thought like it was going to happen and then um once he hit it may uh, still happen yeah it could still happen too but once he hit masha too like oh damn but i thought that was a cool way and as i was saying at the beginning of this podcast because of where this championship is now and who it's on masha uh, Masha, it kind of leaves the door wide open to a speedball to yeah. Blake Christian to a Gringo local to anyone that doesn't really this go lowers ultraviolet. The tier. It lowers the tier. Well, I think I'm it just makes it, it opens it up competitor wise right. where you don't have to be a ultraviolet person to be the champion now. Where before, or, when or you had a large, large, large individual like a Cardona or a, you know, because Gage isn't small, small. No, but I'm saying like, so, you know, like you don't have to do that stuff like where you know you're going against Nick Gage, you're going to have to get outside your element yeah. and yeah. be the underdog where now you could fight Masha in a one-on-one. Yes, she could get violent gotcha. too, but okay. she wouldn't like the chances of her getting that unless she felt that like her back was up against the wall and then she has to use all the fuckery to win. Um, I just think there's a lot of, it's wide open now in my opinion and I love it because I can now see anybody win, be the champion. I can see Masha keeping it for a while. There's a lot of different options they could do, but I really... I, I think it all starts at the collective, but nothing has even been announced with that. And that's frightening to me that now you have your G's. It would have been the same right now with Nick Gage, except they announced after this match that Nick Gage will be at the collective teaming up with Maki Ito. But as of right now, your GCW title holder, I can, I don't, there's 10 different cards on there and I have been following it pretty good, but I don't think I've seen Masha announced for any of the collective shows and that's kind of scary that you're going into your biggest weekend and your champ is not announced for any shows and you're five days six days away five days away from the collective and your champion and that that, okay so i'm what here my turn to go heel here 
And this is interesting. So, Look at us tonight. Yeah, this, is, this is the one show where we might have to not promote it as much because we're not as positive. This is the one I, I have to say, this is probably the most negative we've ever been. And this isn't actually that bad. And my just us saying we don't like a couple things. Yeah, what I'm going to say is not nothing to do with who's the champion or why. I don't. It didn't matter who you had as a champion, who would have beaten a cage. I thought it was the not smartest thing to do to get rid of your face of the company and they are the champion and remove them from the title picture going into the collective and you make the title. Ch- it's like right now if let's John Cena loses a show before WrestleMania. Yeah. And now you're now and then John Cena's not on it and the person who beat John Cena's not on WrestleMania either. Like that's what I feel yep. like is left yep. up in the air. If they would have done this at any other time after the collective, I'm all for this. I'm all for it and it doesn't hurt the collective at all, but I just thought it was not I I, I called it dumb. There's move. a surprise coming. I'm and I'm that's what I'm always I told I told my wife like I'm just gonna have to trust them to wow the shit out of me and make me eat my words again like they always do because I just don't understand how you're going into the biggest shows of your collect your year and you got rid of your champion the ace the ace of your company doesn't have a match and there is no story going into the biggest title of your company there's nothing going on with it as of of this moment and even if you throw in a random pairing like okay and like the only two people that make sense to me right now are maki ito or blake christian if they they announce that masha's going against them okay storyline it makes sense and i guess you could say they've been telling the story for the last couple months whatever but if you throw masha in there let's say against Kota Ibushi, I wouldn't mind that because that's such a good name, but let, right, I'm just trying right. to think of another random name than GC. Let's say Tony Deppin gets his title shot now against Masha. Why? How? Does nothing make sense to it? So I just think the timing is what I am the most against of this. I don't mind oh. Masha winning it. I Like I said, I kind of explained all my reasons of what they could say and do to kind of um, get themselves out of whatever hole they might have dug with a lot of the fans. But I just think it's inexcusable that you the last show before your biggest show that you don't have your champions on the card. There's no storyline for the champion, and they're it's hard to sell tickets to that. And, you're, and, and then they could say that we don't have to. We already sold it out before this. Right, right, right. And, okay, there's whatever. a whole weekend. Oh there's yeah, a whole weekend. There's ten you know, shows. So, so I just so, so it's quite the timing's questionable in my mind, and I, I just don't. Like there's nothing like I think we talked about online. There's nothing there that makes sense unless they do like okay, one I got or two you. things. Okay, so that's where I was getting ready to go. We have to trust that generally GCW always gives us what you know we want, and so this was done on purpose. So if this was done on purpose, what routes do you have to make the fans happy overall? With like, Maki. What, what I don't know the best way to put it. The only so, one. So what are their options, Maki? Maki beating Masha, I think, would be big over. Or Blake getting the chance to go against Masha. Masha beating the shit out of him and still winning and retaining. I think that, that those two things would make the fans happy. If you have Blake Christian beat Masha for the belt, the fans are not going to be happy. And I'm I, there's going to be a, they would there's going to be a riot. There might be a riot. I there, love him. I, I love him. But boy, would people go nuts. So what I'm thinking is is we're my thought process is we have Masha to Maki, and then here comes the Indie God. And yeah. he fucking just destroys her for heat. 
And I'm and from that point forward, Nick Gage comes back. Yeah. He has that to defend his gang. That absolutely makes I just sense. got the next four title changes, let alone all the matches that can go in between. Yeah, that would I'm make for sense. hire, bro. I'm for hire. <laughs> no, that's that's one thought though, is Maki. What was the second one you were thinking? Is like a rematch or are you uh, thinking Blake or uh, Blake versus Masha? Masha actually winning. Okay, that's still the, yeah. like still uh blocking Blake or someone someone big maybe comes in and blocks Blake from doing it and give and that kind of goes into another interference to help Masha out, which could be a thing. I mean, I, I we've seen it happen more for heels than faces, but uh, I could see it being a thing, and I don't know. It, it it was the whole situation was weird, but like I said, I'm not. I don't care that it was Masha that won. I just the timing just doesn't make sense to me, and I just there's a reason. Yeah. You know, there's a reason gonna they're going to give them. us something, and it's a perfect time to do it. So if they're going to hollow us out like this right before the show, they must be ready to sink in something beautiful there. Yeah. And again, but but yeah, my my son was just like they're just giving this to her. That's what he what he he felt like. And I'm just like he sat down for a minute and a half. He total 5 minutes. He sat down for a minute and a half and that's what he extracted from the match. And that's why I asked him like why do you think that way? He's like Nick Gage ain't fighting the same. Like he's just kind of like here you go. Like handing it to her. Yeah. Like wow. And then I went back and watched and I see where someone who doesn't watch must wrestling could sit down and see that was what happened. Yeah. So I don't know, but um, I want to get back to this. Cause again, I think I'm more sour grapes over the situation with Nick Cage losing. Also, I'm still mother fucking cranky from Los Macisos losing the Los Macisos. Anybody listen, dude, those are my fucking guys. And, um, I lost them. So now Gage is gone. I'm like, shit, what's left? Jordan Oliver is going to lose his belt. And then we have an extreme title that's going to, I don't know who. And I just, I'm going to cry. I think this could be the start of a new, like not a start of a new, a new GCW, but like a yeah. kind of a reset, a little soft reset here. And I, I'm all for it. Cause I was thinking they should have done this last year with, well, this was before the collective, but like with different people. And the, like, I, I thought there should have been a kind of a, passing of the torch while still doing okay. a bunch of cool stuff with the crazy the Nick Gages, the Alex Colognes, the veterans of GCW while elevating the younger talent and I don't want to say some of these names but you could guess on your own uh they're not with GCW no more but there were some Oh, that's cool okay. That's okay. You're t- they could have done you're, you're trying to explain your point. It's okay to just Yeah, yeah man. But so who are you thinking? You're thinking back then? Thinking I was when thinking 440, they had Atticus. like the Yeah, the the kind of like a youth movement kind yeah. of thing. Yep. That's exactly yeah, what I was if, if there was um if there was two or three other strong ones that would willingly stay around for another year or two, we could have another youth movement situation. If they would bring in Brogue Finley more and then keep having like, you know, uh what's her name? Uh fucking wow, how did Billy somebody Starks? just skip my head? Billy Starks, like that could be the youth movement moving in. Mathers. Yeah. Dylan McKay, I like Alec him Price. on, but but I like Alec Price is another one. Like there is a movement going on there to a degree. Yeah, we always as long talk as about they the don't lose, um, as long as they don't lose ticket value for the sake of faces. Like you know, uh, what I'm saying is you don't want to lose too many stars because you're trying to just bring a bunch yeah. of young people in. You can see that at CZW right now. Oh yeah, that's why there's no star power over there. I'd love to watch them again, but honestly, there's nobody there. So, yeah, I think Rich Swan um, and Griffin McCoy are the only two names I could see. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to get too much on there, and that's just how it is. Um, but but now I'm like, well, 
shit, where do we go from here? The potential opponents now has opened up for the championship belt. So I do see your point there. Um, who, who, who to defend against, man? Those are the only two right now that make sense is Maki and Blake. Other than that, stories, yeah, yeah. Other than that, I'll be honest, I don't care. Like, I got one for you, and maybe this is because a heel just wasn't thinking. But Blake is taking on Masha and Akira. Maybe he needs to have a a female to assist him, or even just another male and do an intergender like to assist him because he's taking on two people right now. I don't know, unless Akira's just just like the side kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know because. Uh, uh-huh. See, there's a lot of confusion. Now, it, when there's confusion, that's because there's something missing that we don't know. So, I'm I always err on the side that they're doing what they know what they're doing, and we're just waiting for it to develop. Because I've seen quite a few GCW things take months to develop. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, we, you and I have seen multiple times where we go, "Oh, that's why that happened four months ago." Mm-hmm. So, so. I, I'm sure they have something in play here, but what they have in play right now is unconventional and I'm not against unconventional and I want to see Masha do well. I'm just sour grapes that Gage lost. So I don't want to be too hard on anyone. And like I said, Masha is a fantastic person and was absolutely wonderful to me and my family. So I don't want to sit here and go, Oh oh, oh." no, it's just, um, in my head, Gage is going to go down with a fight against a mountain fucking monster. Like to me, yeah. And it's gonna it's supposed to be to take down Hogan took Andre. Like it takes somebody huge. It's gonna take, you know, I don't know. And honestly though, after we when we review the next show, if Masha's title defense is gonna be anything like how it was her first match, I think we're all in for a treat, to be honest, because that was a that was a crazy, fun, insane, and not a conventional match that we've seen in GCW in a while. I'm all for it if this is you're going to restart it and kick it to another level and do a bunch of crazy shit. That's not just deathmatch stuff, but kind of what they did in Toronto. I am all for what what the possibilities could be with Masha. I just really hope for her and for the fans' sake that it ends up well. That's really what I'm looking for. Uh, fans were very happy, though. <clears throat> Jeez. Fans very happy though. Wow. <clears throat> and uh God, I'm dying over here. And um they they fant you they fant. They <laughs> chant you deserve it. Shit, man. It it is actually getting late. That happens. Yeah. But Masha grabs a mic and says she wants everyone to know to never take no for an answer, never get up. Anything's possible. And I like that message. I think that's a really good message. Masha's parents enter the ring and New York, New York plays from Frank Sinatra, which I thought was a kind of a classy thing to do. I really did like that. So this is where I throw it back to you and see if you have anything else to really say on this one. We, we said a lot and let's see, how can I wrap this up? Because I don't want to make it sound negative. It's just, I expected a different ending. I expected a different ending for Gage's last final run. I expected more violence for Gage's final run. I'm not against a feel-good moment like we're having with Masha. Just because her character's not my style doesn't mean I dislike her, nor do I think that I should, you know, count too much against her. I try to call what I do see, so if I see her unable to sometimes pick up somebody, I don't mention it. When it happens two, three times a match, or when it happens matches back-to-back, I'm going to be like, hey, we kind of have something here we need to watch out for. So, Otherwise, though, I think that's everything I have to say. Yeah, that was uh, uh, keeps us on our toes. Like, I, and I always like that as a wrestler. Like, it's they're doing obviously something right. If they're we're spending our new now how long just talking about 
all the possibilities that could happen. That means they've opened a door and have a lot of good stuff and cool stuff that we want to see that we've even talked about. Um, and I think that's a good way to kind of start off. As I said, if this is this might even be it for Nick Cage. I highly doubt it. As you said, I don't think he would want to go out that way. He wants to kind of go out like how Manny did. <laughs> uh, no, you go out fighting in a yeah. bloody fucking heat. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I, I do think we'll see him back too. I think I would be nice to see uh, either him come out and kind of cut a promo at the collective, kind of teasing like it might be it, and Blake come out to kind of get that extra heel shit. And Nick Cage is like, "Hey, I'm not. I wasn't saying I was fucking like Blake all dancing like, haha, you're out of here. I don't have to mm-hmm. deal with you." And Nick Cage is like. I was just saying, I'm done with the belt for now. I'm not done wrestling your ass. And boom, go after right, Blake Christian. Right. Um, I just think there's a lot of fun stuff that could be done, and I'm excited for it. Even though, as I said, I just I'm questionable on the timing. But as you said, I'm not counting GCW out to kind of knock my socks off and uh, make me come back on this podcast after the collective and say I'm sorry. I will never question you guys again. That was an awesome decision. <laughs> well, what what's going on is I don't know how many times I have been like all emotional, like I can't believe they did this and I can't believe that. And then a show, maybe two, three shows later, I'm like, oh, that makes fucking sense. Yeah. And every time I heard from people who were in the industry that have been around a long time go, well, you're only in the middle of the book. So don't judge the entire book by this chapter. Wait until the entire story has been told and then judge it. So when I have these things like this with Masha, I'm like, okay, well, let's see where this goes. Always assume that they did this on purpose because obviously they did. They put a lot of thought into something behind the scenes. What's interesting is neither of us actually have her carrying the title for a long time. It's more or less like we're thinking it's some part of some story with moving parts. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't feel like Nick Gage where we're like, oh, okay, he's going to line up his next five to ten shots. We don't feel like like that with this one right now, at least. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. So <laughs> should we get into the memorable moments? Yes, sir. I have I have a full slate again. I'm back to my my old ways. Do you need a minute to uh, <laughs> compose yourself after getting all upset after Nick Gage lost? Or do you want oh, me my to gosh. Go? No, you know what? It's funny, though, I because we always try to stay on things positive. I always feel terrible when I say anything negative or I don't have anything super good. I have a lot of good things to say. It's just, yeah, this man, you keep bringing me on it, too. It's like All right, I'll get you off. I'll get you off. <laughs> Go sit. Look at your first memorable moment. That'll get your mind off of what happened. Yeah. OK, so <laughs> my first memorable moment of the night was. I really enjoy seeing Alec Price on the rise. I really believe in him as a wrestler, and I think he's got a great upside to him. He's young, he's fast as fuck, and he's got a lot of athleticism to him. So he's one of those people that he's getting more time on the GCW screen, and I'm happy to see that. I'm also happy to see Cole Radrick, still not forgotten, getting the cheers from the fans, getting chants from the fans. At some point, I'd like to see him move into a picture or a storyline where something might be good for him. I don't know what that may be, but I'm looking forward to it if he does. Steve Scott showing up and showing the fuck out uh, a lot more than I expected from him, and I'm really happy to see what I did. A possible Cardona title run, I'm 100% looking forward to that. He did come out and say that in this show, so... Let's we didn't even have one story. Well, we did. We had one option with Cardona coming after the title. So that may be it right there. Seeing Homicide perform, it's always a treat. It's always nice to see. It's like B-Boy, but just on the East Coast. It's just instant respect and love. Loco versus versus Bandito was an awesome little match. Um, I would love to have watched more of it with more stakes at the 
at hand. <clears throat> the uh, time splitters are still a tight group. It looks like they never won't be. That's like a double negative, but they're just fucking fantastic. Not a better way to say it. Gage lost his belt to a chair shot from Blake. She beat him for the pin. Like my son said, it feels uh, forced and a touch uneven. The chair shot was the equalizer is the way I've also been told by my son. He said he felt like the chair was help instead of, you know, so that's what I have to say. It's so awkward. I feel off. That's I'm I'm usually like more happy, more positive, more. I feel off. I took my storied ballet to heart. I took my manly ballet to heart. Uh, my memorable moments was uh, first match, Steve Scott killing in the scramble, showing off a lot of uh, innovative different uh, drivers, and I liked it. Blake uh, Christian uh, being a perfect heel and not letting Jack Cartwheel do all the fun shit was uh, perfect. Tony Depp and Willie Mack, great charisma between both of them, and I love seeing uh, their facial reactions on the chops and every other move. Cardona, Homicide, Cardona... Once again, killing it. Nice to see Homicide. That's another matchup, too. I never thought I'd see. And it was cool seeing it for the first time in GCW. Mm-hmm. Um, nice to see Homicide back in GCW ring. And hopefully we get to still see Cardona wrestle for GCW. Los Macisos, Sawyer Rec, I, uh, and Rena. I just wish that was an AC. But other than that, it was a pretty fun match. And Los Macisos, 0-3 in the last three tag matches. And putting on the talent. I, I, Fuck. It sucks, but I am... Kind of glad it's uh, hopefully will lead to a singles push between both of them. Uh, the four away tag match is four incredibly different tag teams, and they all got their shit in and had a fun and entertaining match. Gringo versus Bandito. That was a fun and entertaining lucha match. I want to see that one ran back and give it more time. Um, the Jordan Oliver and Mike Bailey versus Time Splitters. We've, I've wanted to mention this, but I totally forgot. It was the longest match of the night with 21 minutes, and I'm so glad they got that much time with all four competitors because I thought that, that was a pretty fun tag team match. And then, yeah, of course, holy shit, at the end, we have a new champ, Masha Slamovich, ready to uh, start her reign as the GCW World Champion. And I just wonder what's next for Gage. I wonder what's next for Masha heading into the collective. And I just wonder what's question marks going into the collective. Um, We'll see. It's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, during most of those GCW shows collective weekend. And luckily I'll be front row there to see everything happen. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah. That was a, a card. It was definitely a card. <laughs> totally different than what I expected. I, I just expected a simple, easy, fun Melrose ballroom show. I didn't expect title changes and the crazy action that we got. Like it did. The action was good, but um. We're not sticking syringes in dicks or anything. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not doing that. But no. overall, I think it was a very talk Some show. do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not dropping any letters or names. Dude, that's the... No, I, we didn't have to drop any fucking letters, but that's a new low. <laughs> we're, we're finding out, if anybody wants to know, we're finding out that there was a wrestling match tonight with a bunch of stupidity, including that. And I'm just like, that's that's a new low. And I guess you said the fans were chanting that they wanted their a refund or something. Yeah, God, a mixture of other stuff. Hey, uh, oh my gosh, <laughs> what a fucking mess! Oh my God, what a mess! Yeah, I don't even know what to think. Like, I don't, I can't even register that. Yeah, that's a whole other level of what the fuck that I'm like. I'm kind of confused. Yeah, that's not even like it's. It's just. It's just weird. It's not even like pushing a level that. It's just weird. Okay. 
I said, luckily, well, we don't have to talk. What a weird show. (laughs) What a weird show. I feel so terrible. Okay. Well, we can, uh, no, no, I feel good. We've got a great weekend coming up here and things are good. We're going to try to get another show in. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. We'll do our best. We have one more show to cover. That is the Toronto show. Um, and yeah, we're going to try here. We're getting close to the collective and I got kind of a busy week going into the collective and getting all stuff ready. So we will try to get fully caught up before the collective. If not, we'll just instead of 10 shows, we'll make an 11 that we will review in some way or fashion, either be long form, like how this one was, or maybe we'll just put like three shows together. Just kind of do a normal size podcast Super and talk show. about three shows at once. And um, yep. yeah, we will be covering and get it all set up, but bear with this uh during collective weekend and just this last one for toronto like i said it's still up in the air but if you uh follow us on twitter uh gcw plant podcast for myself and john you changed yours right to john gcw podcast right i don't what am i what's my name now i think that's what it was last time i saw it um, God damn okay what am i today but i will be posting a little bit more here on oh, twitter. Uh, yep john i'm under john gcw podcast yeah lucky guess um we follow us on there. We will keep you updated throughout the week and collective and heading into it of uh, our podcasting schedule and everything else. And if you want a sneak peek of the podcast, probably just watch my Twitter all collective long and I will be constantly mm-hmm. tweeting out shit all day long because, uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot to talk about, I think. Oh, there's going to be a lot to talk about. That's for damn sure. <laughs> all right, John, you want to send them out on episode 53. 53 we're getting up there man little by little yeah 53 i had to question myself there for a second. like when was 52 <laughs> god this has been a long week recording well but that fun. and like we're up here this is a nice late night saturday night and we're just trying to get through it and we made it so yeah all right bud let's do this let's do this okay, uh okay uh to three uh <laughs> but oh, I don't pull that shit on me <laughs> i thought you were starting to say it long live Oh, yeah. oh that's <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. We're going. All right. Long, Long live, live G, G- C-, C T. You're lagging on me, bro. W. w. All right. <laughs> Peace out, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you all.